was always kept locked. It was the garage. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving. That's a funny, funny car. Tell him it's your car and you do what you want with it. I own this car. I do as I please. I also own the highway. My taxes paid for that. They're both mine. I own the highway and I own the car. I own everything. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Throwing Wrenches. My name is Eric Stahl, and this is episode 20, and I'm joined by my guest host. I'm Daryl Scott, <laughs> and sometimes we like to call this the podcast that is not talking about 1994 Maximas on permanent replay on NPR. Is that too wordy for a catchphrase? Maybe, but it is true. If anybody listens to NPR's Car Talk, I mean, you're a fan, right? I was actually listening on Sunday. I was making bacon on the, the skillet there, right there in the kitchen. and Making bacon. Making bacon. And uh, God bless the brothers Clack, but uh, one of them's dead, and the other's probably is collecting the royalties and t-shirts or whatever else they sell. Yeah, yeah. But those guys are still talking about old cars, and as funny as they are, I don't care about a distributor on a Maxima, and that's that's where they're still at. So yeah. uh, I'm not trying to rip the boys, but... Uh, Time to move on? It might be time to move on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we are not that show, people. We are fresh and modern, and we're even talking about Bluetooth on this show we're somewhere. We're hip. We're cool. Yeah. Eric left his uh, his uh, earbuds in the car, but he does have some really stylish earbuds. First-gen Apple yeah. earbuds, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for noticing. I like those. All right. So, as usual, our sponsors, we got to talk about these guys, and we're going to get really deep in the sponsorship on this episode. <laughs> uh, the first sponsor I'm going to talk about is the Casey Law Office. You know we've been talking about Casey Law Office. Uh, Gabe Casey up there in Peoria and East Peoria in Washington, or actually Morton, he's uh, the guy you want to know if you have legal trouble, if you have uh, contract disputes, you have any civil law, you have, what, you have a will that's got a problem, you got anything, Gabe Casey's your guy, CLOPeoria.com, CLOPeoria, that stands for Casey Law Office Peoria, and uh, it's definitely the guy to talk to, and we might have a little more Gabe for you this episode. Yeah, he might be worth talking to. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Also, like to give a shout out to Fort's Toyota of Pekin. They are also available on the web at www.toyota-pekin.com. It is not that far from the metro area you live in. Drive a little further, doesn't matter. 15 minutes from anywhere, it's fine. Fort's Toyota of Pekin. Uh, in full disclaimer, I work for Fort's Toyota of Pekin, and we're coming to you tonight from the Fort's Toyota Studios here in lovely North Pekin, Illinois. It is lovely, especially once they get the road construction done. It'll be lovelier. <laughs> Lovely air. Uh, we are also members of the Peoria Podcast Alliance, and uh, again, we need to go to a meeting. Uh, it's been probably what eight years? Um, at least eight months. Okay. Yeah. I might have exaggerated a little bit. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I don't know if they still have meetings uh, because Daryl and I stopped going. I think they canceled them. They well, they'd be smart too. Yeah. Uh, Just reschedule them. That's all we. <laughs> that's yeah, all we yeah, want. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let's do them on Wednesday nights for God's sakes. Anyway, hey, about our hosts, I'm not sure if you're aware of the guy sitting across the table from me, but Daryl Scott. In an age when tech rules, you'll seldom find my co-host driving anything with more than AM radio. He knows more about felt oil seals than Bluetooth-connected devices. He's a man frantically hitting all the summer auto shows as August comes to a close. Except for Cars and Coffee, which he slept through. I'm not sure what that's all about. That's my man, Daryl Scott. 
And seldom few men have what it takes to grab life by the bib overalls and take on a challenge. When he's not cutting a swath through a forest with an axe or fighting off bears in the Rockies. (laughs) True story. Listen to the last podcast. Or grilling sockeye salmon like a real man over an open fire. He's helping to make the world a safer, more reliable place, one Toyota at a time. As the service manager of a local Toyota dealership, he's Eric, Eric Stahl, co-host of this podcast. I was not a music major, but... Yeah. That, you know, and I didn't pre-read this. That was amazing. You, once again, you've topped me. Thanks. I hate you. Thanks. Well, we also have a, a wonderful guest we'd like to share. I don't know. You can sing. You could sing him in. I don't, you I, actually, you were so good there. Maybe you want to take this one. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm going to cold read this. <clears throat> he has a legal degree and not afraid to use it. He's also the sponsor of this shindig. Mr. Gabe Casey, a.k.a. CLOPoria.com. Gabe Casey of the Casey Law Office. Thanks for being our guest. Welcome, Gabe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I didn't pre-read that, and I don't approve. <laughs> that's pretty cheesy. Let's go on. Uh, where's the cease and desist? Is that coming? Yeah, okay. that takes some time. That'll okay. take at least 20 minutes. We'll get on that. Okay. Now, Gabe is a car guy, so here's one thing. You can sponsor the show, and uh, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to get on the show. But uh, Gabe, I've known for a long time, and... He's the only lawyer I know who actually gets his fingers dirty tearing apart FJ40 and 60 transmissions. So awesome. uh, I give this guy credit. So when he said, hey, I might want to be on the show, I'm like, all right, he's got the street cred for it. So yeah. you'll, fi- you'll find out, Daryl. You don't know much about this guy. Do you remember how we met, Eric? Ooh, I don't know if, uh, if I remember that. <laughs> when I came in and we, we talked about the gentleman who is maybe wanting to sue Ford's Toyota oh, about we... his recall. Did we talk about that? Was that... The conversation we had before I met you. I'm pretty sure the same day we met. I could go to the wire recordings if you'd like. And just play those. <laughs> mm, I don't remember that. I, you know, it's funny. I, I I had this conversation at my class reunion last weekend. In uh, 30 years, by the way. Uh, awesome. I used to remember. I used to think I could remember every day, every customer, every conversation. Mm-hmm. But I've now hit that point where. I don't remember it, and by God, even if I think about it really hard, I still don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. Are you using the phrase "does not ring a bell"? Did you yeah. to use yeah. ring, "ring a bell"? Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, I, don't know. I remember that part. I, I know you've had some other legal cases, and uh, well, how long you guys know each other? It's been a while. Two years, three years, yeah, uh, at least three years, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah time flies because actually the Terrell team's been around for four or five years now. So yeah, probably three years at least. Yeah. Now yeah. I had a crazy client call. Saying, oh, Ford Toyota doing this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I came in to talk to him and say, hey, what's going on? And turned out the guy was pretty much just off his rocker wanting to go after Toyota, but really had nothing to do with the dealership. Oh, Randa yeah. Eric was I a great think, guy. Met that. Mike that day. Talked about FJ40s. And uh, mm-hmm. it's been a fast three years. And the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. And now we're shaking him for cash. Exactly. Now we're getting rich, Daryl. <laughs> getting fat cash. I <laughs> well, appreciate your support of the show, and thanks for listening. And uh, we're definitely going to get to more Gabe Casey here in a moment, uh, kind of learn what you're working on, what you're all about. And uh, uh, our favorite, well, I think one of our favorite segments is the uh, uh, the car of the week. Always like to see what our guests like to pick. It It, it is a telling thing, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, I already peeked ahead, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, really? Really? You read ahead. Yes. Anyway, we'll get into it later. All right, so we've got to go through our normal stuff here. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. thank yous and all that stuff. Thanks for listening. Uh, we do appreciate when you guys share it on social media sites and make sure you let everybody else know that you're enjoying the show. Uh, it seems to be that word of mouth is helping us share the most, so we do appreciate that. Also, if you know anybody who's in the automotive industry or has an interesting job in Peoria that's automotive-related, we'd certainly love to have them on the show. We do respect lawyers. There's no doubt about that, but... Uh, 
But <laughs> and we got some other people possibly coming on that have car-related jobs. But if you know somebody, we'd definitely like to talk to them and get them on here. So let us know, please. That's at info at throwingwrenches.com. And we've had some reviews, a nice little spurt of folks who have actually reviewed the show. and uh, We solicited hard for them. Well, that might have had something to do with it. But <laughs> we begged. <laughs> did we promise anything? No. I, oh, I have to go back we, and you listen. You talked about stickers. We, we never did that. We never did stickers. Sticker Mule will give us 10 free, Daryl. Really? Yeah. Just, now we just got to get a design. Just get like 10 from there, 10 from Vistaprint. Or, like, just Actually, use up all the we'll free. use your account, and we'll use my account, and we'll use Gabe's account, and we'll get 30 free stickers. And that's collusion. That is collusion. Yeah. You know, Gabe, when I was a kid, I used to get free ice water and kitty cones at the Lindenhurst McDonald's for about three weeks in the summer. <laughs> And then finally, like the manager came out and says, "No more free stuff. Get out of here." <laughs> that was a very turning. It was a turning point in my life. It was why, very, why were they free? Because uh, you could get them. Parents could get that stuff for their kid. Ah. This is before the days where you're like, "I want an ice water," and they didn't charge twenty cents for the ice in the cup. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Anyways, free stuff only goes so far. <laughs> All right. I feel like there's a deep story in there. Maybe we'll, we'll share that for next Christmas I'll episode share that with my yeah. therapist. <laughs> All right. Um, we got some feedback here. Some Apple reviews. We got four of those. Uh, Irish gave us some love. Yeah, he did. He said, uh, thanks for the love, because we had him on the show here two episodes ago or three. Uh, he uses both of our sponsors. That's pretty amazing. Nice. Yeah, I can't beat that. He uh, shops at Fort's Toyota, and he uses Gabe Casey's legal services. CLOPeori.com. Be like Irish, everyone. Yeah. Mark says, I love the show. You guys really work well together and are covering interesting topics. I look forward to each new episode. Keep up the good work. Appreciate that. Mad props. Josie says, thoroughly enjoyed listening to Eric and Daryl evolve and find their groove. We, we did eventually. Um, let's see. For a, for a Central Illinois podcast, they cover a lot of content relevant beyond the Peoria area, which we try to do, try to keep it interesting. Yeah. Uh, Hyperlocal is great if you can stand that for a bit, but you know, there's a big, big, big wide world out there, and it's nice to cover that. Definitely recommend it's become part of his regular rotation. Josie, thanks for the props. And is this Toyota Trails? It is. I think it is Toyota okay. Trails podcast. Uh, even though this is very Midwest-centric, still great conversation. So thank you again. Uh, appreciate the work you do as well. We always need some more feedback, so let us know how we're doing. We can dial some of these suggestions into future shows and uh, try to prevent us from sucking. That's yeah. basically what this is all about. So. <laughs> I don't know that any review – I mean, most of these reviews are a couple weeks old, so I don't know they even going to stop us from sucking. But uh, Tonight or – They might, they might prevent us from future sucking if we read them soon enough, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right. Now we move on to the section of the show that we love to talk about our stuff, and that's projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Daryl always has the best projects, and, and I see no, Super I Tahoe is listed here. What is going on with the Tahoe, Daryl? Not much. And actually, that was a wonderful uh, moniker that you coined, uh, which just seems to fit. <laughs> You know, I, I, the other cars in our stable we like to give names to, either yeah. names based on their f- first owner or... I named a car? Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel so special. Yeah, it's yeah. like a godparent. Well, and everybody like that, that, I, uh, that I talk to are like, oh, what do you call it, Black Beauty? Because it's a big, giant black Tahoe. And I'm like, no, that's overplayed. I just never really had a name for it. So, Eric, <laughs> in the midst of everything being torn apart for like the umpteenth time, he's like, what you, tell us what's going on with Super Tahoe, <laughs> Project Super Tahoe. And I really feel like everything's kind of come together uh, with that thing. So, put a few hundred miles on the new driveline, uh, new yoke, uh, U-joints, trans service, did some, did a whole bunch of other stuff in the rear end, did all that. I did have a minor freak out last weekend. We were down at a Chiefs game, and coming back, the AC stopped blowing on the, on the dash. It's still ice cold. It was on the floor in the defrost. And, of course, I know those trucks have electric actuators for all the blend doors. 
and so being that there's eight million of them on the road, there might, well, is there eight million actuators in there? Because usually on ours, they're like all tied together. So if one uh, function's not working, so you mean to tell me that the the center blowers weren't working, but the lower ones were? Uh, well, there's a blend door, there's a mode door, and a recirc door. Oh. There's three of them. Oh, jeez. And two of the three are the same. The third isn't. The pins are different, but they're physically they look the same. But anyways, I bought a new one for forty bucks. Plugged it in. Where'd you get it at? Uh, O'Reilly's. And lo and behold, everything's working just as it should. So, so when you walked in there and they gave you the four pin, or they said get the four pin, was that O'Reilly's? Yeah. And you said no, I want. So you ordered one or what? No, I just I decided I. Well, being an electrical part, I said, "What's your return policy if it doesn't work? Just put it back in the box." I said, "Really? Because every other electric part <laughs> yeah. that you buy, no it's returns. Like, no returns. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. Just keep the receipt and just bring it back." In the, uh, so you took home the four pin. Took home the four on pin. his advice, knowing it wouldn't work. Yeah, because I trust people that I meet at O'Reilly at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> Just want to, I want to make this very clear what happened here. Okay, and yeah. then and then returned it the next day and said that doesn't work. That said it didn't work. No, it, it does. It, it it finally did. So, but after you got the right part. No, I got the right part the first time. Oh, so the four pin did work. Four pin the... did work. Okay, all right. I'm so sorry, means... you weren't real clear on that. So. No, it's. I don't know why they design a seven pin connector. Like, what are those other three pins doing? Maybe for future upgrades. I don't know. I'll find out when my windows don't work or something. I don't know. Anyways, got that. Uh, was out at the Metamora Hot Dogs and or Hot Rods and Hamburger Show. How was Sunday. that? It was good. The rain kind of kept some people out, but it turned out nice. And then uh, after seeing the Jack's Wax trailer out at a lot of the Central Illinois Cars and Coffee events and some of the Friday Night Lights things. I'm like, yeah, maybe you should check out some of their stuff. So I actually did. I bought some of their ceramic sealer and the wax. I'm going to put that on the Daily Driver because supposedly six months or a year, I think, you get out of that. So uh, I'm going to give that a shot and see, what, see how I like it. Awesome. I might do a little write-up, maybe. That'd, that'd be a great future sponsor opportunity. It would be. Or at least some, maybe I throw some Jack's wax on my Celica. There you go. So that way when the oil burns off the back, it won't stick so hard. Well, you, can just, you can just rinse it right off in, into the storm drain. Exactly. Um, speaking of paint and stuff that makes your car look pretty, what are you working on? Oh, did you see Did you see the Facebook pictures? I did. Yeah. I so, might have had a little heart palpitation. Did you? Yeah. Because I, I thought you guys were spray painting with Krylon or something, yeah. the hood of some so vehicle. The cool thing is if you go out and you buy uh, blue Placidip at Menards, it looks exactly like a TRD Pro. And TRD is making uh, the, the pro color, which they call Voodoo Blue this year. Forerunners, uh, Tacomas, and Tundras. They're pretty sweet looking. Well, my son has a 1998 Forerunner, and for whatever reason, he wanted to do Voodoo Blue on his 98 Forerunner. All right. So we bought, well, initially we bought two cans of, of Placidip. That didn't go very far, people. I'm going to tell you that. And you did like the hood? No. No? No, it got, it got, like, a, it got like a grainy. If, feathering over the hood you can still see the, the tan color underneath and this thing is uh it's that desert doom metallic color it's a beautiful old 98 foreigner and most people were dismayed to see that he was painting it because it's a classy looking little truck yeah 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 anyway so four cans later we have a hood that's still not quite covered up and uh it's uh it's been interesting he's so he's having a blast it? though huh who makes the plasti dip is it it is might it? be rust-oleum i'm not sure but it's right there in the, the spray paint area okay. at menards and any, actually any hardware store you'll find it they got all different colors but that blue is distinct so um and the benefits of plasti dip what you can peel it off that's it's not and permanent. that's that's the reassurance because when you had the heart palpitation you were probably thinking that paint is never coming off well of yeah that. i just thought it was i thought it was honestly rust-oleum safety blue because yeah. i might have <laughs> thought about painting a vehicle with that years ago 
didn't do it. No, it's uh, so ideally you get two or three years out of this stuff, and and if it ever starts peeling the edge, you just spray it and hit it again and all that stuff. And my my son, who's sixteen, he really really wants to do it. And you know what? If he's interested in his car, yeah. he's willing to do something himself. I'm all for that. My wife didn't quite understand it that way. She just thinks he's ruining this car. But we got we got the masking tape, got the plastic, we masked everything off. Sure. You know, it, and we even masked off the little sprayers for the the wiper wiper washers. So I mean, he's doing everything right. The, this car should look good if he continues like this throughout the whole thing. It should look good. But then Gabe told me I could just buy a, the the quarter, the half gallon on eBay and just roll it on. I think I might just do that because I'm gonna tell you what, this is a pain. It's gonna take me. 25 to 30 cans to do this whole friggin' truck and it it takes you got to wait a half an hour between sprays it's excruciatingly long so we'll see we'll see what happens there life lessons yeah so if you ever need any plastic dip, uh, tips don't talk to me i don't know what the hell i'm doing um <laughs> the other thing we had the other day we were driving and all of a sudden See the way I clipped there? I did yeah. that on purpose. Uh, the O2 sensor blew out of the exhaust. It like the, the two nuts that hold the O2 sensor on the exhaust had rusted off, and uh, so now the O2 sensor is like dangling underneath it. So uh, yeah, i got to go get some new nuts for it and, and redo the threads. But other than that, the truck's doing pretty good. So Is well, it a heated O2 sensor? It's got like a bunch of wires or just one? Uh, it's heated, yeah. It's got three wires, I think, on it. Um, Those are pricey. Yeah, so I'm going to salvage it. But it's dangling under the truck right now, so it's obvious I'm taking good care of it. Right. Uh, I also sold the 96 Camry within 30 minutes last weekend. Did you really? And yeah. this this was, for the Camry aficionados out there, this was a final year of what they call the Golden Age Camry, this right? is, Yeah, the 96 before they went to the 97. So it was, yeah. it was a 3-liter uh, V6 American edition with a two-tone uh, Japanese VIN number, so it was built the same factory as the ES300. This was a nice car. Nice car. Leather, uh, power seat and all that stuff. And uh, I I got exactly what I paid for it, what two years ago or something like that. No kidding. Yep. So it was nice. You. Yeah. Where did you sell that? At? Uh, put on Facebook. But a friend of mine had already told me he wanted to buy it. But I put it on Facebook for good measure to make sure that if he was going to welch on it, I said you're going to buy it this afternoon or it's up there. And I uh, heard, I had people in line. I had one guy ready to wire me the money. Yeah. Uh, possibly a future guest on the show. He was one of the guys. He's like, I don't. I even have to see the car. My kids turn 16 next week. I need that car. It's perfect. So mm-hmm. when they came back from the test, I was like, hey, will you come down to any on the price? I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. It's a 96 Camry. I, I list, I don't know if you saw the ad, but I, I just call it reliable transportation. I said a 90, 1996 Camry is reliable transportation. You know, perfect. It has this, this, and this. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Other than that, this car is going to be – I said this car will be driving in 10 years. Whether you're driving it or somebody else is driving it, this car will still be on the road in 2029. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Those things were – they were built – I mean, Camrys were always built pretty yeah. well. but It's a good car. Yeah. I yeah. probably made a mistake selling it and getting her the RAV4, but we'll see what happens. You know, only time will tell. That's all right. It's, still, it's all in the family. Yeah. It's all in the family. All right. So Gabe is along for the show here. Gabe, like I said, you're a lawyer who gets his fingers dirty – what do you got working on in the garage? Well, not so much working in the garage as working on the garage. Oh, yeah, you moved. Yeah, we, we got the new house in Morton. We upgraded from the two-stall to the three-stall, but nice. trying to keep the car nice. parts out of the basement, that is means where are we going to put the car parts? So I have bezels hanging on the walls. I have a little attic space that I'm carrying things up precarious <laughs> stairs that move as you step on them with no lighting above, uh, and so that's got, the struggle. What, what do you plan on, like, uh, like storage racks, pallet racking, cabinets? Like, what are you thinking? So I already have a full three-set of cabinet that I got donated to me from my grandfather uh, when he moved into assisted living a couple years ago, and those are stacked. Those awesome. are, there's are tools and cleaning utensils and everything else that you can imagine. 
And then upstairs, there's rims, and there's bezels, and there's doors, and tires, and everything you can imagine. So there's no room left anywhere. So do you, like, when you were working on your other FJs, we'll talk about that later in the show, but um, did you strip some other vehicles, or you just collected parts over the years? Because I know a lot of guys, that'll they'll get a car, and they'll strip it for parts, and then they'll somehow have enough to build, like, eight cars, you know? Yeah, so I have I have 2.5 uh, so describes Toyota them pretty FJ40s. well, except for the eight part. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. So I, I had two complete units, and one of them is tore down. So some of the parts are for that. Okay. Um, and I want to restore that one someday, which will never happen, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I bought a parts rig, which I have some things on. So I've got a transmission over to the side of the floor. I've got an, a 2F engine in the back on a stand. And then I've got a complete running FJ. You know, I've got the roof that I've lifted with ratchet straps and things like that going okay. on. So, okay. I like to think maybe where you moved to Morton, maybe you could just like throw one of the tubs, one of the FJ40s in the backyard, just let it sit there and have weeds grow around it and just see how that goes. <laughs> well, if I call it modern art, it'll be fine. <laughs> just paint it all one color with plastic dip. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah hell with plastic dip? Don't call me. <laughs> all right. So, so, well, I mean, get back to the. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, when I first met Gabe, he was borrowing a tech manual f- for tearing down a transmission. Which I still have. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, like, like, like yours? Yeah, it was our shop manual. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, you know, believe me, I know where it's at. All right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this guy, well, he'll get down to the nitty-gritty. On, did, did you ever do, like, a full full teardown on an engine or anything on one of those, those inlines? No, I got one of the transmissions, which is the H42 four-speed on the floor, completely tore down, but the uh, the output shaft had such bad grinding in it and and ruts that i would have to replace that and it was just going to be too much of work so it kind of just got tabled and i just i had another transmission i threw in the one that was oh, okay so right. keep it running yeah yeah that's one of those dreams i, I have uh, two friends of mine who never rebuilt an automatic trans before one did a ford aod another one did a torque flight and because they needed to get rebuilt and they're like i just figured it'd be a good time to practice and i'm like really like there's nothing scarier than walking over and seeing somebody in the middle of a trans rebuild who's never done it before and see, like, their workbench. And I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? Just go down to one of the domestic stores down the road. They have a guy, that's all they do all day is just rebuild trannies. I guess. No thanks. It just, I don't know. It might be somebody I've written a letter before. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe. On these transmission rebuild warranties, yeah. quote unquote. Oh, yeah, I can only <laughs> imagine. It's scary. you got a flare shift now. Yeah, it works fine. Yeah, yeah. it was fine when it left the shop exactly <laughs> it's within spec anyways nothing else you, uh, so you just moved i mean not like building any uh like bikes for the kids or anything like that does that qualify you can do go-karts no, or, no they yeah. have they have big wheels actually i listened to the last show um with joe i believe the other day and yeah. i really want to get my daughter into the kid cart right? oh dude uh, i looked them up the other day i sent my wife a video of these eight-year-olds in london just buzzing around a track and <laughs> s- scared her to london death. mills or london i i don't know no actual europe london they <laughs> in, they have these intense little poses and mm-hmm. they have like like the nfl players when they show them coming on and these eight-year-olds and they're oh, posing nice. to drive the cars and how, did said, the, how did the missus take that not well yeah, it was Seriously? like our kids are not ever going to do that. No, no, I, di- I didn't get the hard pass, but I got that, oh, no, looks dangerous, maybe not. So what you yeah. do is you show the kids, and then you go down to Cart World or Cartland or whatever that's called, and, yeah. just, and get them out there and, for an hour. <laughs> mommy, mommy, I'm going to be a go-kart driver <laughs> when I grow up. Yep. I can imagine how, uh, as a kid, just going to, like, yeah, one of those little kart tracks is fun. And those things go, what, 10, 12 miles They're not an hour. nearly as fun as they were when we were kids. You could actually bump and hit. Now, if you even tap somebody, they'd throw you out of there. That's true. What fun is that? Yeah, it did take a lot. We used to go to a place up in Wisconsin, and it took a lot to get tossed out. Yeah. I mean, some of us did, but 
I mean, to the point where I'm kind of wondering if some of my neck issues and lower back <laughs> issues are from the stupid stuff that we did yeah. in high school and junior high. But, yeah, Branson in the 70s, same for me. We would yeah. we would just beat the living hell out of those carts at Branson. And it's like those guys didn't even care. It's like, yeah. you know, we'd be spinning out other cars and stuff, doing the police move, you know, trying to swipe the them. Pit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's something to shoot for, right, Gabe? Yeah. I mean, you have to have goals in life. Yeah. Those, uh, yeah, the videos that uh, uh, Joe Feaster sent of his daughter racing around the track, I'm super impressed. She's well, got skills. And the funny thing was, when she first started racing, we would stand there at the autocross track and be like, oh, my God, how long is it going to take? Because she was, she was very practical and methodical in, in the way she went. She just she was going around the cones, and yeah. she was improving her time every time, doing what I probably should have done as a, you know, a driver with a real car. Instead of like hammering it and hitting, you know, going out of the cones. But anyway, uh, <laughs> enough about me. Um, her progression over the years to go from just that normal practical driving to actually now she looks like a skilled racer and she's going around the cones and and it, it's pretty amazing. And what is she? Eleven? Twelve? I thought she was like nine or something. She it, might be older. Yeah, I think she's just a little bit older. But uh, it, it's pretty cool. And and the sky's the limit there. I mean, as, as long as the parents are there to help. Yeah, that's the thing that scares me about that kind of hobby. Maybe that's what scares your wife, Gabe. No, well, I, I haven't been scared in a long time, so I'll well, be brave enough for the both of us. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the wallet part, not the uh, <laughs> oh, not the kid being in danger. That's the residual effect. <laughs> exactly. We can always make more money. That's what I tell her. Oh, oh, okay. It's a good philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, lay that on my wife sometime. Write that down. I'll I'll, I'll go home tonight and I'll I'll rehearse that line all the way home, and I'll see if that works. <laughs> Uh, all right, no, so, okay. so we should, should probably shift gears here to talk about some of the other news-making headlines, all different our, parts of the world. Well, yeah, it's right? time for news, Daryl. Come on, man. I guess. We always uh, talk about the news. We always talk about the international, the national, and the local. Got a great local story tonight, so make sure you don't turn off this podcast. Or if you do, you come back and listen, because I think we have, need some legal speak on that one to find out what's going on. Probably good. All right, so I stumbled across this article the other day, and I was actually shocked. Reuters reported that Indian Automobile, Automaker Mahindra and Mahindra Limited said on Thursday it plans to open a plant in Flint, Michigan, of all places. If you ever saw Roger and me, you know that. Uh, they make, they'll make vehicles, including mail delivery trucks, for the U.S. market and could create up to 2,000 jobs. And I just had a, basically a WTF, <laughs> an American company is not getting this job. And I'm not – I think you must put this, this is disgusting, but I'm shocked, yeah. first off. I mean – in this day and age of corporate protectionism and, you know, America first, you know, and Trump dumping, you know, 27% more into the budget here or whatever, the deficit, how is an Indian company walking in here and getting the contract work for U.S. mail delivery trucks? I'm just blown away by this. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. That's See, what it has to be. Mahindra's, they make, they talk about like copyright and patent infringement. They basically make, like, I think the a version of the CJ still. Yeah. They basically, like, took that, cloned it, and, you know, what do you guys like over there? F-150s? Yeah, we make one of those, too. And yeah. it's, like, you know, got, like, stick-on badges. Well, I think fake. their tractors are essentially the same thing, too. They, yeah. they basically stole Kubota's designs and stuff like that and do whatever they want, right? It is. It's weird, but they're so big. And I forget what the other one. They Do they make, like, a fake Hummer that was big in China and stuff, too? Uh, Maybe. If you Google, I don't know, if you Google, like, you know, designer car knockoffs or something i think you'll find a lot of mahindra stuff out there uh if they put some people to work that's fantastic i'm just not really jazzed about that and plus 
with Ford talking about closing plants and laying off workers, I mean, this is their home state, home turf, kind of. It's GM land, I guess, yeah. Flint. But um, isn't there some other company that we could kind of put to work and maybe make something that is a little, I don't know, nicer? It It is shocking. I, I just don't think Mahind- – I- Rush Limbaugh, I don't know if you ever listened to Rush, but Mahindra is like his tractor company. He always talks about Mahindra tractors. Really? Which, yeah. Which is kind of funny to me because I think about that. I'm like, well, you know, the right wing apparently doesn't have a problem with this. But uh, don't get me wrong. I, uh, I'm not trying to make this political. But right, it, just, right. it still shocks me that an American company, uh, I mean, they even find an obscure Wisconsin company to make, you know, armored armored vehicles for the war. Right. You know, they're going to find something in the United States for all these U.S. contract jobs. It just, just kind of blew my doors off. Well, and we were... Was it last show? We were talking about the the LLV, the current mail postal. I keep wanting to say postal Jeep. It's not yeah. a Jeep. It's like the weird AM general yeah. thing, whatever. Um, they basically are being called into question now because they don't have air conditioning. There, I guess there was a <laughs> oh, person yeah. in L.A. that died, a mail carrier. There was a guy who made the rounds here in Phoenix who was a postal worker, and he was taking like infrared thermometer and being like, see, it's 120 degrees in here in the day, and blah, blah, blah. Well, I guess he cooked claimed to have cooked a steak this was on reddit this uh, was it? yeah because one of my employees shared it with me yeah it's like the inside he didn't even, he didn't even know we talked about this no it was 142 degrees in there he cooked a steak on the dash of this thing whatever i mean all i can think is it smelled amazing i, I don't know if i could <laughs> you know if i could have waited till lunchtime <laughs> but combination of like mail because everyone knows the postal smell right you walk into the post office it's like target they all have that same kind of smell yeah, like yeah i don't know if i want to Delmonico sizzling on the dash with the, <laughs> a hint of anthrax and a hint of whatever packages in the oh, back. Oh man, it's gross, this is brutal. I don't know, Gabe. Gabe, what what's your legal responsibility as an employer in that situation? You know, if, if you give somebody a vehicle to drive, well, I mean, they've got access to fresh air. They're getting out. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't worry about it. It's the federal government. They know what they're doing. Uh, the federal government work comp system is so different than the state that Seriously? they can pretty much get away with anything. Yeah. So there, there's pretty much no attorneys involved in the federal system. So they save a bunch of money right there. <laughs> Interesting. In all honesty, anytime you have a legal issue, if an attorney is involved, it gets much more expensive. But if you don't have an attorney involved, oftentimes you get taken advantage of. Oh. So, you, you you know, you get that balancing act. Well, and they probably have, like, frequent breaks where they're, you know, uh, I, I don't I want to say there's all kinds of legal things about breaks every so often for this length of time or whatever. But if you're working in a job, like construction, you're outdoors all the time. There's going to be some of those environmental factors you're probably going to have to accept as part of the job. So when you get hired on as a postal worker, it's like, yeah, I don't work in the hot and I don't work in the cold and I don't work in the rain. It's like, that's the wrong line of work. No, no. And the UPS guy who walks in the shorts all the time, I used to be like, man, that's a great job. He gets to wear shorts all day, gets to drive my truck with the door open. Yeah. Didn't seem like it was half bad until the wintertime when he's, you know, he's wearing the parka with the fur line, you know. Yeah, around the face and all that stuff. Yeah, his lips are purple. Yeah. <laughs> They've yeah. fallen off 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah, so, I mean, interesting. I don't know if the Mahindra vehicles. All I can think, Daryl, honestly, you put know. a solar roof on one of these new Mahindra vehicles, mm-hmm. and you put, like, a hot dog roller in the front, you could be, like, the ice cream man in Arizona. You could be, like, rolling down the road, and kids would be chasing after you. Right. I want two for $3 dogs. Maybe that's the side business to maybe shore up some of the postal deficits. Side hustle, Daryl. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a mailman, and I'm a hot dog slinger. Hashtag hustle. <laughs> postal service, we've got the meats. That's their that's their new slogan. I got it handled. I mean, everybody's trying to find different ways to, to make revenue. I right. mean, I think we could definitely make that happen. Economies of food, scale. Food trucks are hot. Food truck. <laughs> <laughs> po- 
coastal food truck in every neighborhood. Yeah, yeah we could that's, do some of that. That's a great idea. All right. Gabe, uh, can we patent that? Uh, no. no. Which one? <laughs> the food trucks are hot the, the or food... the We've Got the Meats? Because the we Got the Meats is Arby's. That might be infringement oh. yeah. already. No, I'm thinking like we need to – like the next, the, the next generation of – uh, I would say food truck. Yeah. Next generation postal truck. <laughs> gotcha. Confused. Needs to be a f- food truck. We can. Yeah. We can. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's something to it. All right. Uh, let's move on to national news. And this, uh, I don't know if this is international news or national news. This came across my desk today. Uh, according to Automotive News, Nissan told its U.S. dealers last week it will discontinue the sales of the coming Cummins diesel engine in the Titan XD. And it's also going to jettison other certain Titan configurations, including its single cab models. The reason this one popped up and, like, raised all the flags for me, I'm going to tell you what. This Cummins diesel has been one of those things where people are like, oh, I get the Nissan with the Cummins. And, and Toyota's been lying about having a diesel come to the United States for the last 20 years. I mean, we've been talking about a diesel Tacoma and a diesel Tundra ad nauseum forever. You know, people walk in the door, hey, when are you guys get diesel? Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's never coming, okay? But but Nissan actually put it out there, what, four or five years ago and actually did it with the Titan. And uh, it looks like it didn't pay off. Looks like it's just, yeah. it was a lot of money. That truck was expensive. What, what was it, 65 grand or something like that? I want to say it was like a 13K premium over the price of the truck. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of money. It was a five liter V8. So everybody was, all the Cummins fanboys were like, oh, it's a V8 instead of a 6. It's going to be even more powerful. It's like, not really. Overkill, really. Didn't need that. Yeah. 330 horse, 555, put 555 pound-feet of torque. It was a decent motor, but in this day and age, I mean, we've seen diesels evolve a little bit. We've seen diesels take a hit, but we've also seen them evolve in the truck line with, like, the 3-liter uh, Dodge Eco Diesel. Uh, the 2.7 Duramax that put out, put out I think 330 horse. Yeah, the 2.7. I mean, for a small truck, it's not a problem at all. No, I think and Ford's putting that three liter Power Stroke in like the uh, the F1, the F series. If you don't want the big six seven, mm-hmm. you get three liter. Or I think they're also putting those in like their transit vans for vans that need to pull some stuff. So you're seeing some pretty respectable numbers out of a diesel that sips gas. That's half the displacement almost. And it doesn't cost that much more over the cost of a gas engine. Yeah, I think that uh, when <clears throat> I know this with with the Tundra, and I know uh, when the the Nissan Titan came out, I think those guys were overcompensating. You know, when Toyota came out with a five point seven liter and it had three hundred seventy horsepower, they were at the time when it, and they knew it was just. I think it was right when Ram and Silverado were changing. They knew they were going to have the most horsepower mm-hmm. on a standard engine. You know, that was a big thing. And I think the same thing with Nissan here. They were like, hey. We're going to put this monster engine, this thing. Look at us. We're an import, but we got a studly truck. Right. But it was overkill. You didn't really need to have that. It was just a, it was an ego stroke of anything, right? I don't know. I've never driven one. Gabe, you've driven one of these Titans? I don't know that I've ever seen one. Really? I've alone driven one. There's like a handful out there. There's probably not many in Peoria, honestly. The five, they had a 5.6. I want to say it was like almost 400 horse. You ever seen anybody Decent. roll coal in a Nissan? I haven't no. seen one. I haven't watched those videos. <laughs> Gabe, that's, what's why, that's why it didn't take off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gabe, what's the legal responsibility of rolling coal? Uh, I would say that's a direct assault on another person. <laughs> I've, I've seen the video of the Corvette trying to merge in traffic and the other diesel truck just rolling right in the window. So if somebody has video of that they put it online, could, could, you, could you sue them for assault? I mean, I couldn't because I would just be laughing. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> perhaps somebody else. Hand the uh, case over to some other yeah, attorney. Yeah, <laughs> who's a little more you know, money conscious and doesn't have a sense of humor. Would. Okay. All right. Interesting. 
So, yeah, so uh, if you want a diesel Nissan, you better run out and get it now because that sucker is gone. Yeah, I Googled it today, uh, still on the Cummins website. All these, I guess the motors are still built in Columbus, Indiana, or Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're, I mean, they're decent motors. Maybe this is one of those instances where you take that motor and put it into something old and cool. You know, like uh, put one of these motors in like an old Cadillac or something. I don't know. Or a Mercedes. I don't know. It seems like an expensive truck to do that, but. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Crash it. Roll coal in your Nissan, folks. Mm-hmm. I just want, I'm going to Google that now and see if that's a thing. <laughs> we'll seems see. like if you're a Nissan driver, you're not like that big of a douchebag, but I, I could be wrong. No, I think that's reserved for a special select <laughs> few, which we'll talk about later, too. All right. Anywho, uh, Supra news. We were talking a little bit in the last episode, uh, Eric, about the, the Supras rolling out into dealerships across the country. We're talking a little bit about that versus C8 and some of the buzz around both of those. Let's, uh, let's, let's dive a little deeper into that. Um, yeah, I, I can speak for you know what we're doing here. I mean, I, the general trend around the country has been 10 to 20 grand over sticker. So uh, there was a dealer, I, you know, you marked here at 100,000 selling for 100,000. There's a dealer in Florida that's notorious for selling for way over sticker price. Mm-hmm. I think they were marking theirs at $200,000. You know, just cuz. Yeah, cuz you know, why not? Why not to put it out there if somebody somebody wants to buy it? I mean, they'll reap the rewards of that. So that was the actual article. The article was the car listed at $200,000 in Florida sold for over $100,000. Okay, so they actually did sell it. Okay. Yeah. And then there was another one that was allegedly listed at 140. But again, these are people calling the dealership saying, "Hey, how much did you sell the Super for?" And the salesman, you know, gives them a gruff response real quick, and the phone's dead because they're not getting a sale. So right. th- you can't really put a whole lot of stock There's in it. There's a lot but of the same assumption time, there, Gabe. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and welcome to the industry. The industry is assumption, and oh. what do you have? Hard evidence, exactly. No. But uh, you know. Well, who's calling a dealer? I feel like a car at that level. Any any vehicle at that level. That's like a, I'm going to come in with a suitcase. No, these people are calling? No, I think uh, Gabe can probably test this. You probably have to call all over the place to see if they have the setup you want. You actually have to call a lot of dealerships to find a Toyota Supra LE <laughs> okay. to buy, which is launch edition, Daryl. Let okay. me tell you. Okay. Uh, because it'll take you several hours. Um, if you, you talk you, to your local Toyota dealership and be like, hey, can I buy one? They might hook you up. They might not even be getting one. Okay. Yeah. And we're at a point now where you can't place an order. You can't walk in and be like, I want to order one. No, the the, the lot, or what do you want to say, the die has been cast. I mean, okay. uh, For this may, first year? Yeah, or is well, it? pretty much for the first year. The first launch editions, they're coming out. You didn't really have a choice. You got what they're going to give you. and You might have had a little wiggle room, but not a whole lot. But once you're committed, you were locked in. The second one you get, you might be able to order and get what you want. Okay. But it won't be a launch edition. So I, I think that the heat will come off of these really fast once the launch editions are out. Gabe spoke with authority like he has some firsthand knowledge. Yeah, I, I may have called a few de- dealerships, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, I may have locked on a launch edition at MSRP, which I'm actually trying to talk my wife into letting us pull the trigger on. Um, and that is still there. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Uh, you know, Eric's completely right. The going trend is 10000 to 20000 over MSRP. Yeah. Some have gone for a lot more. Um, but they are coming down. Uh, but the availability is the question mark. Can you find one? Can you get one locked in? Probably not. And, and and as far as deposits go, how does that work? Because I know there's there's always been that too. Like, sure, sure, we'll get it to you at this price. You got to come here with a suitcase full of money, and then there's all kinds of. I, not not all dealers are like this, but I know there's some that, the terms of the verbal contract sometimes change. Yeah, well, I think you have to do a buyer's agreement. You yeah. know, I, I know in situations where I've. I've sold a car back when I was a salesman back in the 90s. 
if you bought a car you know, pre-delivery or pre-showing up at the store, mm -hmm. you have the VIN number, you have all the information on the car, and you can write a buyer's agreement. And a buyer's agreement is a legal and binding document. Am I correct? It very well can be, depending yeah. on what's in it. Yeah, okay. so if somebody puts out a deposit on a buyer's agreement, assuming that everything, if the car comes in with that VIN number and everything mm -hmm. is as it says, you know, you have a legal right to that car at that price you agreed to. Well, and I don't want to scare anybody, but I, I remember, uh, you know, being a Mustang, former Mustang Cobra owner and loving all the SVT vehicles when they went away for a while. And then they came back in like 07 or 0, I forget what it was. And they came back out with a Shelby GT 500, whatever they called it. Um, like one of the first handful of guys that got one, got, you know, red one with white stripes, ordered it, came in through the dealer, picked it up and discovered um, after he took it to get detailed or something that there was some touch up on it. And like what's this and like oh well and then come to find out like it got damaged in transit coming off the truck yeah. and the dealership body shop which they said which was well within their purview to do any kind of pre-delivery inspection touch up blah 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 he wasn't there filming it. like we talked in the last oh, episode yeah, yeah. like <laughs> did you see that video of the uh, guy picking up one springfield I, I didn't see the video but i can speak to the uh, damage in transit actually yeah. i've researched that aspect of law and okay. there's a threshold so a dealership can take in a new vehicle and there's a dollar threshold right. that if it's not over the dollar threshold they don't have to disclose that to the purchasing customer um I, this came up in a uh, it was actually a camper trailer case okay. where somebody had a significant damage and the dealership just slapped some tapes on it gets the money from the manufacturer and doesn't tell the client about it. And that's obviously not okay. And you'll, yeah. you'll get different levels of that. It was interesting. And it was on this SVT performance forums that I was on at the time. They're still around, I think, but um, not nearly as that, cool. That would be documented. I mean, I, I know in our situation where if a car comes off a transport and there's a problem with it, you know, I should take that back because I think there is a way to wiggle out of it. But generally speaking, when you go through the legal, the legal setup, the, transport company has to pay for it through toyota and then when you make that repair order with toyota for that warranty claim it's documented in the carfax it's there that there was and you can call it whatever you want i can write whatever i want in there but it is documented as a, a transaction for body work yeah and the differentiation there may be damage in transport versus damage in the manufacturing process or the packaging process okay because not all damage on a new vehicle received by a dealership has to be in transportation. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and the other thing, too, is you're never – I hate to say this because, you know, everybody's paid money for something brand new and either something didn't work out or they weren't happy with it or something – you know, life happens. But nothing's perfect. And even if you take something that's 100K or whatever it is and you shrink wrap it, put it in bubble wrap, put it on a car a hauler that's enclosed and all that – Stuff can happen, right? Um, so, and then when you you take it home, there's nothing guaranteeing. No, you know, rock chip things like. I mean, stuff's going to happen if you drive the thing. I so. love when people come back like a week later. Say, there's a few rock chips on the hood, and I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, if it wasn't there when you bought the car, you know, well, what right. is our responsibility to you? I mean, yeah. well, you could cover the to... car in, by, in bed liner. That you would could help. just ride a. I was shocked. The whole car. I, I had some Teslas when I was coming back from Colorado here a while back. There was a, a truckload of Tesla threes on the truck. They have zero zilch coverage on those things. So when the supers come and and they're are they're in are a they... box truck for real? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've seen, everyone I've seen on delivery thing has been in a box truck covered. Does Toyota mostly wrap their stuff with no, that vinyl? No, claim they, stuff? they actually, as far as I'm concerned, they do a pretty poor job. But, yeah. Um, well, I see Volkswagens. I think have a, a super job where they cover everything on the car. You know, you peel plastic all day long on that thing. But, yeah. But Toyota generally just has a few, the roof and the hood and some other stuff, but the sides are usually exposed and the, and the wheels have a little cut plastic on them. But Interesting. there's so much more. You could, and honestly, in this day and age, I see 
all kinds of stuff on the road. I would cover that sucker all over oh, the yeah. place. Yeah, but yeah. nobody wants to pay that transportation fee of seven hundred fifty dollars. So, you know, we're gonna bump it to eight fifty next next right. year. Yeah. I read on the internet that I don't have to pay that. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, because yeah. because the dealership doesn't pay that, right? Right. Um, you know, maybe they'll make it out of bamboo or something, so it'd be more eco friendly too. Because <laughs> right. it literally is a big giant wad of plastic you pull off these cars. Let's get some har- uh, Harbor Freight tarps. Fine. <laughs> all right. So so new Supra is trickling into the marketplace. Uh, what is a launch edition? Before we move on here. Launch edition is basically um, they're fifteen hundred. They're numbered. They're signed, and they have a couple extra. Who signed them? Uh, Akio, Carol Shelby. No, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Somebody from Japan. It's gotta be Akio. (laughs) Maybe Uh, if it was Akio. I mean, that that's pretty damn cool. If it is, we better Google that. I'm going to right now. Akio is the chairman and descendant of the original Toyota family. Family owned, still, yes, right? Exactly. Are they a publicly traded company? They are. They yeah. Are. Okay. They are in the United States. I assume that that's uh, a worldwide company. When you, I don't, I don't know how it works on the market. Interesting. What what you own? I have no idea. Has the BMW comments subsided? So it was funny. I had a trainer come in last week, and um, he was very quick to tell us about the factory in Austria where the Supra is built. It is not a BMW factory. It's a factory that actually builds Jaguars, Mercedes G-Wagons, uh, a couple other cars. And this is basically an independent auto builder that's a performance building factory. No kidding. And so Toyota and, Merce- and BMW, I guess, you know, agreed on this factory to build these cars. I'm not sure if that's where the Z4 was built. but uh, they, And they were also quick tell us about all the different suspension tweaks how the z4 is a much heavier car it's not a performance car whereas this car is so it, it was interesting they're trying to set set them and, and actually it made me feel like it was a little bit separated you know from what bmw is doing as if platform sharing is a horrible thing right like yeah, yeah because twitter doesn't do that across like 10 different models of cars you know the same platform so yeah it does who cares? You know, if the, that also keeps your costs down on parts. Yeah. Not much, probably. If, if I mean, they're not making, like, millions of these things. No. But no. it's – I'd much rather have something where there's – it's not one-off. Because one-off to me means, oh, you break it, there's less in the market to – less aftermarket support for the parts. There's less of a user base that understands and knows how to work and service yeah. the thing. You know, I'd much rather have something that's a little more common. Well, the C8s have already been showing up on the wrecked. Have you seen the vi- pictures of wrecked C8s? No. Like oh. The first the first publicly wrecked C8. So I'm sure the Supra's the first launch edition destroyed, you know, totaled model. I hope not. <laughs> There'll be guys lined up at Copar to buy that thing, you know. <laughs> Will this fit in the... <laughs> I'm getting the badge, baby. I'm spending 30 grand on this car for the badge. Anyway. Take that drivetrain, put it in like a Paseo. Yeah, exactly. I got the VIN plate. I'm doing whatever I want. That'd be awesome. Anyway. All right. Next up here, we got uh, an interesting article about DEF CON. It's a security convention in Las Vegas. Uh, from Reuters, automakers warm up to friendly hackers and cybersecurity at the conference there. Uh, they try their hand at picking locks and discover cyber vulnerabilities in makeshift uh, hospital so they can endeavor to break the control units of the cars for driving functions. It was last weekend in Las Vegas and sponsored by the car makers and suppliers, and they've increasingly recognized the need to collaborate with the so-called white hat hackers, cyber experts who specialize in discovering vulnerabilities to help these organizations. Attendees who visit the car hacking site can escape the vehicle by deciphering code to open the trunk, control the radio volume and speed, and to lock the doors and through their computers. Car makers, quote, car makers have been discovering new issues with their traditional architectures thanks to the white hat hackers, which highlighted security needs for car makers and suppliers alike, said Asef 
Harrell, a chief scientist at Karamba Security, an Israeli company that provides automotive security technology and works with car manufacturers and suppliers, including Denso. Um, this this type of thing has been going on for a long time. I think DEFCON's been, I mean, what, 20 years, yeah. if I had to guess? And, yeah. and it's always been kind of a thing where uh, big banks ask these guys to hack in there. And I know in the last couple of years the car business has gotten into it. Uh, but there have been some legitimate concerns. I think I think Fiat Chrysler had one of their cars here a couple of years ago that you could literally get in and drive the car. It was a Compass or a Cherokee. It was a Jeep. You could pull up beside the car mm-hmm. and hack the car while it was driving, and you could control the throttle. Yep. Yeah. There was a video. It was like not Dateline, but some other you know kind of insider TV news tabloid thing. They had a guy. Did this? They repeated it. Yeah. They said, "How hard is it?" Well, we actually had a guy. Yeah. Literally, some regular hacker dude. And they repeated it, and it was a white one that was driving down, like, the 405 in L.A., and he, like, shut the thing off. Yeah. And they're like, we didn't train this guy. Like, he just was able to use some of these tips available on the Internet to do it. Frightening. It's frightening. Remember, kids, self-driving cars, all this tech, all that stuff, that's the future. This is where we're going to go. We're better, right? Nothing can go wrong. Go wrong, go wrong. Go Eat wrong. your biscuit, Daryl. It's just <laughs> Eat your Soylent Green and shut up. Why do we need to introduce tech into all aspects? Like, why do the power locks need to be controlled by the car's computer? Uh, everything's digital now. I mean, we talked about this on the new Tacoma when it came out. We went from analog, you know, copper and wire. And I've talked about this in other shows in the past. But we're literally talking about connections with copper wires. When you push the button, you, you make the connection, and you make the motor go. The new ones, when you push the button, it goes to nothing but a digital receiver. That relays and, that out. And you send a digital signal to a digital motor that sends the motor up so many revolutions. I mean, that's where everything's going. Uh, it's lighter. It's more portable. I mean, you think of all the weight of the copper wire and all that stuff. Yeah. This is, uh, this is progress, Daryl. I guess. And, and, you know, again, we can go back to your felt gaskets. but this, We could. This is where we the technology is going. It's just, I don't know. It's just like the same thing. I, I think I might have complained about this on a previous show, or maybe I complained at work. Yeah. I was talking uh, Menard. No, Costco. Costco. Fans. Did, was I talking about this in the last episode? Yes, you were. Yeah. $300 fan. Wi-Fi enabled. What the hell do you need a Wi-Fi enabled fan? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the Wi-Fi fridge. You know, why do, do I need my fridge to tell me I need milk? Is that a thing? Do I need to look inside my fridge while I'm at the grocery store? I mean, if it writes a grocery list and then I don't have to, maybe. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool. But how does it know if I'm in the mood for for chicken or beef this week? I mean, ben and what, about, what about my feelings? Running fridge? low. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that Chinese carryout is past its prime, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, alert. Yeah, leftover alert. That'd be nice. Anyway, that's that is definitely segueing away from the car business. Yeah. Um, now, again, I think this is just uh, part of the industry. Now, it's kind of interesting to see how uh, computers are really owning the cars. I'm surprised that airplanes. Here's the thing: if they had this and they said, "Oh yeah, they they're hacking airplanes," people would freak the hell out. They'd be right. like, "Wait a second, they can hack an airplane? You know, that could kill me." But, mm-hmm. but a car, nobody's that too worried about it right now. Man, it's just like, well, that's that's scary, and then they move on. Yeah, exactly. They go to their fridge. And yeah. As, and meanwhile, Boeing has like a secret back room where they're like, <laughs> <laughs> "We don't mean to scare the public, but uh, here's what's going on back yeah. here." Okay. So that's it for national, right? Yeah, and so we got a local story. And sorry we're going so long in the news here. We had some good stuff here this week, I felt like. Uh, Jade Yan of the Journal Star. I'm not sure if Jade is a longtime reporter there. I don't recognize her name. But anyway, this was reported on July 31st, so this is a few weeks old. But I think since we have a lawyer in the room, yeah. maybe we can have a little more uh, commentary on this article. According uh, to Jade Yan of the Journal Star, a Peoria woman found urine in her fuel tank. 
According to a report from the Peoria Police Department, she told the police on Tuesday that her Ford Explorer kept shutting down when she was driving. She kept mm. smelling a urine scent, mm. which that could be anything. Anyway, <laughs> according to the police report, when she took the car to an auto body and mechanic, an auto body... I'm not, is it an auto like body shop? shop or yeah, something? Yeah, but right? I don't know. Auto body is a bad... I don't know. Sorry, Miss Yen. The mechanic informed her that there was urine in the vehicle's gas tank. Oh. <laughs> oh. We're going to talk about this, how we how we look for water in a gas tank. Okay. It was allegedly cited as a reason for the vehicle's dysfunction. Not malfunction, dysfunction. The, <laughs> the police... <laughs> the woman informed the police that she suspected the culprit to be her ex-boyfriend, that weasel, oh. who she believed to have been trespassing on her house on Sunday. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When we check for... Water and gasoline. Yeah. Or we check for diesel and gasoline. We generally draw a sample. Okay. And then we let it set. And then we can see a separation, you know, between the fuel and whatever the whatever has been added in there. So I here's just, me being stupid. Uh-huh. Does water flow uh, to the bottom, to the top? I think the water usually sits on top in that situation. But if it's that- u- urine, I can't speak for it. I'm just, but generally you can like smell it and touch it and put it in your mouth. You know, taste it on your tongue. Technicians, one of the skills of your technician, you can taste fluids. You know, you can taste antifreeze. You can taste oil or gasoline. You kind of get an idea what you're dealing. with. This is one of the senses you use as a mechanic. I want to know which shop, and I'm sure they're embarrassed to announce themselves. Mm, yeah. Which shops was sure definitively that urine was in the tank of this car? Because I'd like to know how they determine that. That's a very good question, and the world might not ever know. <laughs> Gabe, what's your opinion on this article? I, I, I may be a skeptic, but first off, <laughs> how many people drive a vehicle, a Ford Explorer, for Talk instance, and can, and can smell what's going on in their combustion? Can well, you smell that? I smell sulfur from the tailpipe of my car because the cat converters hate Casey's gas. So maybe that's what she's smelling. I don't know. Let's yeah. not bash Casey's today while I'm on the okay. show. All right. <laughs> it's a good, reputable business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a great last name. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, beyond that, Come on. More likely somebody peed inside of her car, and then her car is just an old Ford Explorer that had issues. Can we be honest here? It's, so, so a it's stray a cat, poss- possibly a stray cat got into the car? Maybe. It might just smell like whiz. I don't know. <laughs> well, I had when I was a kid, there were some neighborhood hooligans that would uh, dump sugar in people's gas tanks. That was a thing. That's more than hooliganism. It was awful. And the, the, I felt bad because out of all the people that had to pay a lot of money was this, like, my friend's grandmother who was in town staying with him visiting. And she uh, had, she paid. It was this little cavalier and stuff and nothing fancy. Maybe they just wanted to stay longer, Daryl. I don't know. But it was awful. <laughs> and they, like, left the bag, like, right next to the car, like, half <laughs> empty. And it was just... So I just remember how much back in, you know, the 80s, how much that cost to drop it and flush it and all that stuff like that so impurities that's that's not a cool thing to be throwing in the in the gas tank especially nowadays when everything's well you had a note on here that's a lot of urine does it have to be i would have to think you would have to pee a lot in there because your uh your pickup in in the car isn't isn't going to grab it's not going to change that much based no, on I don't think the so. volume. It'd be, it'd be percentage-based, right? How yeah. full was the gas tank and how yeah. much urine? Yeah, I mean, I guess if she drives, maybe his trashy girlfriend always has an empty tank. It's hard to say. You know, if that's the case. <laughs> that sounds about right. Maybe. I was I was doing some research, and I, I, I'm actually embarrassed at how I much. I wish there were names in this article, by the way. I, I do. 
probably go to the police station. <laughs> yeah, look it up. yeah. Sylvia Smith. Oh, Sylvia Smith. Let's Google her right now. Let's, see let, her let's, let's uh, creep her on Facebook. Yeah. Anyway, this is by the way, Gabe. Uh, this is twice Eric's talked about creeping someone on Facebook in the show. Just for the record. Yeah, I actually have a tally right here. Yeah, he uh, doesn't. He doesn't do that that often. Only when I'm hiring people. <laughs> I think over a pint of urine or water, any kind of viscous liquid other than gas, can cause problems. But most commonly, do you guys see in the shop, do you see people put diesel and gas or see vice versa? You know what's funny to me is how many people somehow manage to shove a diesel right. uh, nozzle <laughs> nozzle into the, their car. I'm like, you probably had to work at that. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't go in real easy. I'm like, well, there's a reason yeah, why. Yeah, no crap. You know, it, it, but it happens. It happens more than you think. The, the best and worst story I heard on this was a, a gal who lived in Peoria, went to Tremont to her dad's house. And her dad was just emptying out some fuel tanks. He thought well, he'd help her out, so he took he took his uh, gas cans from the garage and poured them in her car to give her some gas. And as she drove back from Tremont, she blew white smoke all the way to Pekin. He put diesel in her car. Don't even Whoops. know where. It, yeah, and just blew this car up. And he paid the bill. He felt terrible right. about it, but just like you know, it happens a lot more than you might think. It's interesting. Yeah. All right, so have you ever had an art, have you ever had a case like this, Gabe? No, uh, when we drained the tank on one of my FJ40s, it actually had a bunch of water in it. But yeah. we were just getting rid of the gas, so I put it in my buddy's pickup truck, and then he had to call a tow truck on the way home. <laughs> so this actually hits pretty close to home. Yeah, uh, a I lot, didn't blow buddy. up the engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, good friend. <laughs> yeah, appreciate the three dollars. Did you pay the dope tow bill for? No, he had triple A or something. It was free. He right, didn't right. have to pay for it. It wasn't really free, Gabe. Somebody paid for that. Well, I didn't, and he didn't, so no, no one real did. Yeah, that's that's funny. All right, so this is the section show where we actually kind of talk to our guests. Uh, I appreciate Gabe being so patient. We've talked a lot about a, a lot of news tonight. Uh, like I said, I've known Gabe for a couple of years. He is definitely a guy who's willing to work on his own stuff. Uh, he's owned a couple of Land Cruisers I know of. You got a two hundred series? Yes, the wife drives a, the two hundred series, yeah. two thousand eight. He's got an FJ40, a black one. Uh, if anybody follows me on Facebook, there's a video of me driving Gabe's FJ40 with the the front windshield down, down Route 29. I got the, the GoPro right there in the center of the dash. I have I haven't smiled. I don't think I've smiled that much since that time. That's probably two years ago. We you drove should probably buy it. Dude, yeah, no. Not, oh, not, is it for sale? Yeah. It's got some sweet TRD wheels on it, It's the most happiness too. I've experienced in years, Daryl. It is. But so, no, I don't want it. No. Yeah. yeah. It's, but, uh, it's time. There's nothing like driving an open canopy car and having a windshield that can flip down and doing 55 miles an hour. you got your sunglasses on, just waiting for a bug to fly in your teeth because you're <laughs> smiling so damn big. Um, yeah. A lot of fun. So anyway, um, Gabe, tell us about what's in your garage and uh, what's going on right now. Well, what's actually in the garage is the wife's Land Cruiser, 2008 uh, 200 Series, uh, which we got up from Chicago region. Love that vehicle. I can't believe that 2008 is still a 200 Series, yeah. That's the first year. Okay. So that's when they started. They're still running the current body style. They've made a couple changes over the years, um, but it's it's a great automobile. Probably one of the best on the planet. Yeah, the headlights changed here like two years ago or something like that. Yeah. 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 But we absolutely love that. And then also is the – I have a black – the one you drove, the 78 FJ40 that's in the garage. And then outside of the garage, because it doesn't fit in the garage, is the 2015 Sierra. Yeah, awesome. which which you saw, we saw tonight, and it uh, looks like it's been covered with bed liner. It has. 
Was that by you or when you bought it? No, that was two owners, at least previous. Yeah. It's a rhino liner on the entire vehicle on the outside. So, like, if you were, like, to, like, rub, like, a, a, a towel across it, would it, like, pill up because it's, like, ripping the flesh off the towel or anything? Or... I'm sure it would. We could try it. Could, could, would it. Like, if you fell into it, would you, like, get an abrasive burn on yourself from... Is it like 25 grit sandpaper? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like a loofah. It's actually really, it's an exfoliating GMC Sierra scrub <laughs> uh, with a nice tasteful lift on it, it looks like. Yeah, so it's it's a custom job from a dealership out of Florida. Uh, you know, the local dealership here does the Everest lift, yes. which is the rims and the lift kit and everything else. And down in Florida. Wall crawlers. They, yeah, Sorry. exactly. <laughs> they have the Grand Teton. So you, you pick a mountain range or a mountain and you, you name a lift kit right. after it and you do it the dealer package. So. 5.3 mm-hmm. uh, uh, or 6.3? Yes. 5.3. Five, three. Five, three, supercharged. Ooh. So it's actually got plenty of work done to it. Yeah, I think it's pulling about 440. It's got the custom exhaust. It's awesome. it's got the uh, the higher package with the you know leather interior and everything else. I love being in a full size truck. I had a, a Toyota Tacoma previously. Yeah, you did, which That's I nice. loved. Yeah, did you sell that yourself? I did. I sold yeah. that. Um, and you know, love moving up to the full size though, having the extra room for the kids and everything else. So sure, and you can tow home whatever projects you might drag home yes yeah we moved recently i pulled a gigantic trailer i was I, wondering I, if this was a vehicle that did all the towing yeah I, I had pulled pinged my buddy hey is the trailer available and he said yeah but your tacoma can't pull it <laughs> and then i sent him a picture of the new truck i just got and he said that'll do <laughs> that's nice. always an out too like i don't know if, i had a friend of mine with a car trailer years ago oh, i don't know if your truck can pull that i'm like oh really okay. that's for super tahoe yeah it was, what it was it was an old <laughs> f-150 and rightfully it would have pulled it it would have probably fell apart <laughs> But anyways, so so besides the Sierra and the Land Cruisers, what what kind of got you into cars originally? Have you always been a, kind of a Toyota guy, off-road truck guy? Like, what uh, what was the genesis of Gabe Casey the car nut? I started as a sports car guy. My first car ever was a 1995 Toyota Celica GT, uh, five-speed manual. Yeah. Loved it. Had that car for a few years. Uh, you the know. 95, the ones with the round lights, kind of like your yes. Okay, okay. No, ni- 95. Yeah, 95 was round lights. Yeah, yeah. Round like lights. My- like I like my '97 Celica, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like your '97, yeah. exactly. It changed over right there, yeah. um, and that was before it got all boxy and sharp. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I went to the Audi TT, and I had an Acura RSXS. I the Audi TT. I remember it was uh, Mission Impossible Two, I think, with with Tom Cruise. There's a scene where they like lock doors on the two as they're spinning. It was like a John Woo movie. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember that scene? Yeah. It was like sexy and erotic, and it was two Audi two TTs. <laughs> That was a nice looking car. Was yours the coupe or the convertible? I had I had the black on black convertible awesome. with the two twenty five, the six speed. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. But I only had it for about a year. I was twenty one years old. I said, oh I'm gonna God. buy this ridiculous oh sports my car. God. And my parents wouldn't even let me park it in the garage. So I was like, I can't keep this rag top. It's gonna go downhill, it's gonna deteriorate. And that actually had like a, a legit cloth top, right? Yes. Like the German stuff is yeah, that was it's, it's the, amazing. The, that car, you know, honestly, to this day, I think that's one of those cars that you know we, we talk about cars that are iconic. Mm-hmm. That when Audi came out with that, that was right when Audi was like reforming itself as, as a, a car maker to make beautiful cars. Yeah, and that was the first one of them. Yeah, awesome. I was working my butt off, fifty hours a week to pay for this car and the insurance as a twenty-one-year-old, <laughs> and eventually it just hit a wall where it's like you you can't enjoy it because when you have a car like that, you want to go out, you want to go get ice cream and go eat and be seen in the car, ice cream. but you can't afford to do both. <laughs> No, well, if you live in Morton, Illinois, ice cream's important. I'm going There's to the AW stand to show off my TT. <laughs> I, for me, it was Taco Bell. When I got my Cobra, I was like, watch this. <laughs> and I'd do stupid stuff in the parking lot of Taco Bell. Dairy Queen in Fairbury was my spot. Was yeah, it? yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, like, I got a cruise by there, yeah. It's food, cars, food, right? 
yeah exactly from there i moved on to, to toyota pickups actually i bought a toyota pickup was the name the it pickup. wasn't a, yeah it wasn't a tacoma yeah. back in the day i had a 91 with the modest lift kit and the roll cage in the back nice um and then i i had a couple other tacomas i got some motorcycles and and moved on from there motorcycles too okay so you're you're a fan of those as well absolutely yeah, i've you, had about four motorcycles do you still ride uh not currently no i have two children you got a license right i do i have the dm so what kind of bikes were you riding uh, I had a Honda CBR. I think it was a 600RR. Uh, I had a Honda Shadow Spirit was my first bike. Purple with the ghost flames, which is exactly what you think of with a young man in his first mm. Was it his like, first cruiser like bike. early 90s kind of era? No, it was around 2000. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was pretty modern. And then uh, I had a Yamaha. 2000, that was only 20 years ago. I, I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, somebody, I was watching some movie the other day. It was made in 2000. Everything looked dated. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like... That's oh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Flip phones. And then I had a Yamaha R1 Raven spec that was probably a little too much bike for me, in all honesty, because uh, I'm a smaller guy. Yeah, that's that was a that was a monster bike back yeah. in the day. Yeah, if you goose the throttle on it, you would just go, and you'd hit second gear, and you'd be like, I'm done. Did you deck it out with, like, the Yosh pipe and all that stuff? No, yeah. I didn't. I got it. I, I was a wheeler dealer in the motorcycle, so I'd buy a cheap bike, I'd drive it for a while, and then I'd flip it, so. Yeah. I've gone through about 19 to 20 cars in my 19 years of driving. Seriously. Have you always lived in this area? I have. Born and raised in uh, Morton, Washington, East Peoria. Uh, I went to Peoria Christian for high school, just left for law school and came back. All right. Right on. So when you were in school, did you have a rocking car as well, or were you just kind of like more pedestrian? Because everything you've rattled off is just sounds awesome. Yeah, it does sound like hot. Way are you, cooler. Are you an only child? No, I'm not. Oh, just checking. Just checking. I'm just the best child. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and when you're young, too, that's when you, you're you able to go out and kind of buy and do the things you want to do. I remember, you know, when I was in right out of school and I was still living at home, which I kind of regret putting my parents through this. I had three cars at one point, and my dad finally came up to me, and he's like, you know, I, I'm glad you're into cars. I'm into cars, too. you got to stop this stuff. And uh, it got to, yeah. yeah. Well, I had a 55 Olds in the garage. I had... I had my truck. I had my Cobra. I had my I, – I had – I think I had four. Yeah. Actually, it did because I was storing one at my buddy's barn. And his parents were even like, I don't think you should be doing this. You should be getting out of your parents' house. But you know what? I'm glad I did that because when you're young, you can experience all that stuff. You've had German cars. You've had bikes. You know what you like, what you don't like. And then maybe, you know, 10 years from now, you're like – I'm going to go get another Audi TT because you miss it, right? Absolutely. And that's why I bid that one of them bring a trailer up to about 45 grand the other day. Thank God I didn't win. <laughs> oh, my God. That seriously happened? Yeah. It, it was... apparently has a green light going on right now at home. No, nice. that's a red light at home. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a, we don't talk about cars that I'm not going to get anymore because the odds of me actually getting one are so slim. Oh, that so that 45 was uh, a cheap bid on that thing? No, that was where I maxed out. But, oh, but, but what did the car end up going for? 48 or 49. Whoa, plus, so you, you, were, you were in the game then. I was in the game for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've been in the game on a couple of cars here lately and got yeah. a little nervous. but uh, Sweating. Yeah. <laughs> Sweating it. You, you hit that point where you hope you lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if I don't win it. Well, no, it, it's, it's the best part about an auction. I'm comfortable right now at this number. If I don't get the car, I don't get the car. Yeah. You know, but then some other guy gets you by a hundred bucks. You're like, oh, I can just do another hundred. Yeah. And then, and then you're the high bidder for the next twenty hours, yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> That's where I was at in the last Celica I bid on. That happened to me in a '70 series Land Cruiser. I bid up to about eleven thousand five hundred dollars, yeah. and somebody won it for about thirteen, a little less. Yeah. And people were commenting after it was over. Well, that was a steal. You'll never see another one for that price. <laughs> blah blah blah. Just just rubbing it in my face <laughs> of the deal that was missed. My problem with those auctions is it's not a matter of, of winning the car. It's a matter of making the transaction in north carolina or seattle you know you never find one you never find one for sale in chicago illinois or st louis i mean it's a matter of 
somewhere halfway across the country. I was probably 22 years old when I bought my Acura RSX S-Type. Yeah. It was for sale in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I bought that over the internet, and I flew down to Dallas-Fort Worth. They picked me up from the airport, and I drove that home. That was a hot car back in the day, too. Was the hatch, that, right? That's the, like the, the hatch with the... All the goodies on the it. hatchback with the VTEC, and it was very mild. Oh, but when you, you got on it, that thing. you could take it up to about 9,000 RPMs and it would scream, <laughs> oh. but it would be very mild otherwise. And I bought it for basically trade in, sold it for the same amount a year later. See, that's how you do it. Yeah, but I can't what, that, do this. That, that car, <laughs> what color was it? It was tan. The, oh, the desert oh beige. screw the tan. Okay, I was saying if, if it were black. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There was I, a manager of, uh, I think, old Chicago here in Peoria that had one. Yeah. And he talked about it all the time. And I'm like, sweet, sweet, sweet. And I was waiting for it to come up for sale and never did. <laughs> but uh, those were fun, fun little cars. So that's that's the, the key, I think, for folks to take away is when you're young, do what you want to do. Yeah. Get the car you want. And you know what? If there's something that's cool, it's still probably going to be cool in a year or two. If you don't like it. Put it out there, someone will buy it. Yeah, yeah. And you move on. So the funny thing, we're talking about all these cars, and you're talking about like when you were a kid and, and you're working, you know, 50 hours a week, or whatever. You weren't even a lawyer then. I mean, what, what were you doing? Bagging groceries or something? My first job ever was Farm and Fleet in Morton, Illinois, <laughs> as a cashier. Um, I worked at a bunch of restaurants here. I opened the Texas Roadhouse as a busboy here in East Peoria. Oh, wow. I opened the Buffalo Wild Wings as a server. Yeah. Um, I've waited at a couple different restaurants. I worked at Caterpillar on in college on and off for about three years. Holy I, smokes. Until I went to law school, they literally prohibit you from working your first year of law school. They say you cannot have a job. Until that point in time, I've worked since I was 16. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, that's so, the way to do it. My, my uh, brother... Well, I, I come from an, an old Italian heritage family, and my, and my great-grandmother would sit there and say, oh, your brother's going to be a lawyer. He knows how to talk, you know, so you're going to be a lawyer. And so my brother, all the way until he was like 15, was shamed if he was going to be a lawyer. He never was a lawyer. He's a drummer. Anyway, uh, how do you come about just saying, I want to go to law school? Well, what you do is you go and you get a degree in political science. And then you can't really do a whole lot for that if you don't want to go work for a city. <laughs> where, do you, where do you go to school at? Uh, I went to ICC, went to ISU. And then eventually the law school at NIU. Okay. Um, but the bottom line is there wasn't a whole lot of, of job opportunity for a political science major. Um, I'd already kind of had the backup plan of going to law school. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Everybody you talk to, whether you're in – there's two things that you can tell people that it'll, it'll prompt that response. Is there A, I'm in the military or was, yeah. or B, I went to law school. It's either, oh, I wanted to be in the military or my brother or somebody yeah. wanted to, mm. or the same thing with a lawyer. Um, but most people don't do it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it's always, well, they were really good at arguing. They should be a lawyer. Everybody always told them that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, which you don't think is true. And I tell people for years and years, that's not true. It's not about arguing. It's not just about that. It's about learning the technicalities and all these rules. Uh, but then when you get into practice more and more, it actually reverts a bit. And it becomes more, uh, yeah, just, you know, build up your personality, build up your network connections and go in there and, and just kind of argue and, and do your thing. And you'll probably be all right. Huh. So what about the negative connotations? Because everybody, here's the thing. I've got friends who are lawyers, attorneys, you know, prosecutors, whatever. They're still never immune from going to a dinner party or some other public event and hearing like somebody be like, oh, you're a lawyer. And then they launch into this <laughs> stupid, you know, lawyer jokes and stuff like that. How do you, first of all, why? Second of all, how do you deal with that? Do you still get that amongst your friends and family? Uh, not not too much people close to me, but you obviously get it a lot in, in society. But I would say it's it's similar to you know used car salesmen and repair shops where they have a, a skeezy reputation, yeah. and to a, a large extent, it's earned. Um, you know we we try to they set didn't ourselves just show up apart. overnight. 
<laughs> we try to set ourselves apart as a profession and all these other things. But uh, one of the things I actually do that other attorneys don't do is I pursue claims and lawsuits against other attorneys in the area uh, because I want to bring us up to the next stage. I want to clean out the profession. I don't want to just be part of the show and going along with the gang. Um, and that's actually been one of the most successful parts of my practice. Sure. Well, that's that's well-deserved. And it's, it's, like you said, not the easy thing to do sometimes, I imagine. I'm not um, the most popular guy around town, no. Yeah, but you know what? It was funny, years ago, uh, when this is my, when I first met you, uh, I camped out at Cars and Coffee. And I'm going to, if Chris even listens to this podcast, he's probably like, oh, this son of a bitch. Anyway. <laughs> this guy. <yeah. laughs> anyway, uh, Stork and I camped out at Bushwhacker because they were having an overnight deal and you could camp out at the store. And so that was the same weekend they were having cars and coffee. And we're like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. We'll camp out at Bushwhacker. We'll cook out and we'll have, we'll camp cook right there in the parking lot. And the Bushwhacker people are like, this is great. Well, the cars and coffee people are like, oh, no, no, you can't do that because then you're getting a spot and you're going to be there early and we're not allowing people to cook out like in the reserve, parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, whatever. This is a load of malarkey. Well, anyway, Gabe is like, uh, I've done some checking on the parking lot law and, uh, <laughs> I don't think that they can get away with that. <laughs> and, and I I mean, I think you even post on the Facebook Central Illinois Cars and Coffee page or something like that. You know, as as a student of law or something like that, I don't think that you can I say. I vaguely remember this. And I felt it was so much douchery going on there. It was a lot of posturing. But, but again, it's a parking lot. And I now I have more respect for the Cars and Coffee thing because I understand he has to buy the temporary insurance license. He has to do – it's not just a matter of people parking their cars out there. But at the same time, the blowback I was getting for just saying I was going to cook some eggs out in the parking lot yeah. was ridiculous. Well, in this day and age, though, where people are doing that to get free Chick-fil-A for a year, you know, <laughs> or whenever. Like, there's some other chain. It's not Chick-fil-A. There's some other one that does that. Like, you know, when the store opens, you peep first 500 people. Olive Garden's got a thing right now. You pay 500 bucks, and you can have, like, pasta for life. What? Yeah, have you seen this? You don't have to camp out for that, though. No, I think, no. I think I'm all about that. Is that. He's going to camp out anyway. Is what <laughs> I think I just heard. I'm thinking, I'm, well, you know, people live on retirement, or they live on cruise ships, you know, it's because it's cheaper in a nursing home. If I buy pasta for life, I'm set. Uh, except for the fact that you're eating pasta <laughs> for, for the rest of your life and uh, type Free 2 Free breadsticks, Daryl. Free breadsticks. He's retiring and tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually going to look that up. That can't be... <laughs> That can't be good. I literally, yeah. If I could just, uh, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll get off that subject. We need a food podcast yeah. next. Yeah, we do. Uh, all right. Anyways. So we know you're talking about the Supra, but is there a dream car? Is there a classic car that you have not gotten your hands on? Is there something that you've been hankering for? I thought about this today, and honestly, a lot of the cars I've actually been able to enjoy. You know, I love the truck that I have. I love a lot of the cars I've had in the past, um, you know, the future purchases. I don't I don't know. I, I used to love the GTR when that first came out, but honestly, when a car comes out, the people that get involved with that car can sometimes ruin it for you. Ooh, mm. ouch. That's, that sounds scathing. It's, very it's familiar. not. It's not. So, for instance, I really wanted a, a Trans Am WS6 back in the day. Right on. And one of my buddies got a Trans Am. It wasn't a WS6. But, you know, I got to ride in it, and I got to drive it a little bit. And, like, then that passed. So yeah. it, it can be same, you know, even if you don't get that experience. It, a car can kind of not necessarily be ruined for you, but you're like, okay, well, it's around a lot. It's not as exotic anymore. It's not as unique anymore. I love a unique car. I love driving by and people not just waving to, to build me up, but also to say, you know what, that's fun. I'm glad I got to see that. Yeah. I brightened their day. That's what I enjoy. That's why I love driving in the FJ40s with the top down, you know, waving wind, to people with, with my leg kicked down, out the door. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, fun, it's a fun experience for sure. Um, so besides the, uh, the one that you're selling, 
Are you trying to sell, trying to liquidate your collection here a little bit, Gabe? I was, but actually my buddies have talked me out of it. So originally... <laughs> Get I, off the tree. Yeah. I, I bought the 78 FJ40 you know, from the Quad Cities five, six years ago. And I drove it for about a year. It was in decent shape, and it started having issues. It turns out it was water in the gas, as my buddy learned in his pickup. Yeah, not your own. Yeah. Not I decided... Your. Let's just tear it down. Let's restore this thing. It's going to be great. I had a local buddy who was helping me do the work. Well, then, long story short, he moves out of town a ways, so it's a little bit longer. And then now he joined the FBI, and he's out of state. So uh, then I have this torn apart FJ40. I'm capable, but I'm not <laughs> motivated on my own. I don't have enough knowledge to do things easily, so it's just sat. So uh, it's still the goal to get that one restored. Uh, you know, I have to get the parts rig, but I'd sure. rather sell the one that's running and driving at this point, focus on the one that I want to fix up. And move on. That makes sense. And it's it's hard to, especially in an age where you can go on the internet and find anything running and driving or something in another city. Like, what's, what's ruined me is to be able to be like, oh, my car needs all this work. Here's another one just like it that's a little more solid. Isn't that crazy? And I'm like, 30 years ago, you know, I remember my dad being like, well, looks like we're going to have to tear this whole thing apart. And unless you knew somebody in a club or another part of the country – that was what you worked on. You started with whatever condition that was, and then you had to put X amount of dollars into it, and you're good to go. Nowadays, people are like, uh, I found one up in Canada I went and got, and uh, you know, it's much better. It's, it's insane. The Internet's it's made life easy, but it's also kind of, I don't know. You're devalued, aren't you? A little bit. Like yeah. You take some of the challenge out of it. Yeah. I do like the, the whole – I knew a guy who had an old uh, CJ2 Willys Jeep that he put – I mean, stitch, stitch weld – pieces of stuff this is like back in the day before they had like uh, a lot of the replacement aftermarket parts and sheet metal and stuff like that i remember he pieced the whole thing together and he painted it with uh it was a roller but it was a rust-oleum <laughs> and wet sanded it and it, it looked pretty darn good and I'm, it's not a show win or anything but it's like you took a pile of rust and garbage and you you have a blast with the thing and that's what that's all about and that's what to me that's the best part about when i go to cars and coffee or something like that when i roll in there with my son's blue forerunner I'm oh, gonna yeah. be. I'm gonna. He's gonna be beaming for one. I guarantee you, he's gonna stand there and talk to anybody about that thing. Yeah, even absolutely. Though, even though it's plastic dip and people mock that on those pages anyway, who cares? Just stop reading the comments. Yeah. The comments have gotten out of hand in so many car groups that it really takes the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy who had a, uh, an old '60s Falcon, and he was like, "Hey, here's what I've been working on, whatever." And one, one of the groups I follow, and everybody was like, "Nice wheels, nice this. This looks terrible." And Oh, what's that color? And it's like it's original color. It's, and they just and after like you scroll through people like forty, suck, man, they do. Yeah, like forty comments in, <laughs> some guy has like two little paragraphs. Just like, you know, forget anybody who says anything else. You know, just enjoy the hobby for what it is. Thanks for posting pictures. I hope you and your son continue restoring yeah. the Falcon or whatever. Yeah, but it's just like it took forty people. To yeah. make snide comments to get something nice. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, gain your identity from social media, then then you probably have a problem, and you probably should just ignore all those those horrible people on there. I guess. Yeah. And and I'm sure there's a lawyer who'll back me up on that. Or stalk them. It's Who? fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We ready for the moment of Musk? I don't know. Are you guys ready, Gabe? You ready? I'm ready. All right. And, and now, now your, your moment, moment of Musk. <laughs> Over the weekend, Tesla CEO Elon Musk compared gasoline cars to steam engines. Yesterday, Tesla also teased legacy automakers in a tweet. I did not see this tweet. I looked all over for it. Anyway, Musk has never been a fan of cars with internal combustion engines. 
he compared gasoline cars to steam engines and said, they look cool in a museum. Following in the CEO's footsteps, Tesla now has poked fun at legacy automakers yesterday saying, I'll really miss gas stations, said nobody ever. And that is your moment of musk. Um, you know what? The funny thing about this article is I, I did look for the tweet and I couldn't find it. But you know what? He, he's actually tweeted quite a bit considering he's canceled his Twitter account at least three or four times since we started the show. Right. I mean, hasn't he changed his name to Big Twitter Daddy and some other stuff? Stupid stuff. Uh, yeah. Would you really miss gas stations? No, I wouldn't. Uh, but here's the other thing about we it. We just uh, talked about roller dogs. <laughs> we would... <laughs> That's a truck stop. It's different, Daryl. Different, different, okay. different. Right. This trucker's got to take a shower, and they got to bathe, and they got to eat. So truck stops are not going away anytime soon, I think. But uh, uh, okay. no, uh, Jay Leno actually followed up this tweet and said that he agrees with Elon Musk on this. Jay Leno, the man with three hundred some old classic vehicles, yeah. believes. Yeah, he thinks Elon's right, and I—I I mean, y- you cannot actually believe in your heart of hearts that gasoline cars are the future. It, it, I don't think it's possible. I, I think there's some. Uh, I, I, I think it's not the future. I think uh, obviously there's other other power forms out there, but <laughs> what, nuclear, Daryl? <laughs> no, just battery tech isn't where it needs to be. I think we're still waiting for some sort of technological advancement to get to that point. But I still think that right now, uh, that that pound for pound, you get more out of an, uh, a gasoline engine or diesel. Uh, until I, I would, we, until I would we agree. crack that code, yeah, right now I, I agree. But uh, I'm watching hybrid cars. I'm watching hybrid Rav4s get you know uh, forty some miles a gallon. You know, yeah. our friend Jake Irish was on the show here a while back. Bought a new uh, hybrid vehicle Rav4, and he's I mean he's trying to close it on fifty miles a gallon. This yeah, thing, it's happening, which is stupid. You yeah. know, a vehicle that size, an SUV, is you know, round, round town. No, no, just a regular old regular hybrid, hybrid vehicle. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So the technology is getting there. I think that uh, is as cocky as Elon wants to get in this whole situation. He's still in an automaker that's losing money hand over fist. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, if Ford and Toyota and all these other manufacturers decide they want to be in the EV game, and Volkswagen's already shown that Volkswagen van. I don't know if you've seen the ads. I got Hulu with ads. Mm-hmm. It's showing up on there. And my kids, literally, I talked about this two episodes ago. My kids have keyed into that vehicle. Dad, that's so cool, that van. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, it's it's coming, and the next generation is embracing it, and sure. gasoline and stinky fumes are going to be you know, not cool anymore, well, Daddy-o. Think about everything that we have and we've grown up, the kids who are 20 years old now have grown up with. Yeah. Everything plugs in and gets charged overnight. Yeah. Everything, from your phone to your wireless controllers for your Xbox to your whatever your stupid smartwatch like <laughs> by the way no offense if anyone here has a smartwatch no no smartwatch you have a real one okay yeah we're good we're good mine's powered um, by light <laughs> see i don't know we've we've had watches with kinetic watches that never need wound never yeah. need charging i mean now we've got stuff where you got you got to plug it in before you go to bed so you can look at it and tell what time it is that's yeah. a step back to me yeah. it's not that they don't have other benefits that a regular tiktok watch doesn't have TikTok watch, I guess. That's a <laughs> TikTok. Very, very. He's, he's a clockwork eloquent. kind of guy. No, yeah. but I'm, you know remember, what I'm saying. Remember though, felt like, seals. He knows all about them. <laughs> again, I, I, unless we have that that magic bullet uh, where we have battery tech or some sort of other way to capture and harness that energy, you're talking the way we're at right now with some of this stuff. You know, 50 mile per gallon. 
and uh, you don't have the range anxiety if you have a hybrid, a little gas motor to get you through. If you don't have one of those horrible gas stations to stop at, as, as uh, Elon says, I think that's a good st- uh, stopgap measure. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm just waiting. I really miss gas stations, said no one ever. So smarmy and just disgusting, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, but hey, you know what? He's uh, got a point. He does. Now, I will tell you this, Daryl. I've actually yelled this in my house before. Who didn't plug in the car? Really? Because I've walked out to the car to find it unplugged. <laughs> and and this is the new generation of dad. That, that ha- sounds like a first world problem. It is. But, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> my kid forgot to plug in my car. Yeah. But, but, seri- but seriously, <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, when you walk out to your, your plug-in car and it's sitting there unplugged and it's just like some idiot. And now, I've seen the, the Tesla video where the like snake-like arm thing like automatically goes and like plugs. That's creepy as hell. It's like, sure. I mean, it's really weird. Have, sure. you, have you seen the video? I have. Yeah. So how long does it take to charge your, your Prius, for example? Oh, the, the plug-in Prius is only like two hours on a 110. It's not a big deal. That ain't bad. Yeah. But if you were on 110, you tried to do a full hybrid, or I'm sorry, EV car, it would take two days, yeah. or three days possibly. It's it's ridiculous. You got to do those plug-in stations, the Tesla superchargers, and all that stuff. But how long do you have to charge it to just make it to work, just barely? Who me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're that guy, huh? I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't, I haven't played with that much. Uh, I know there were some Leafs floating around. People were saying a lot of Nissan Leafs have come off lease. And they're like, for around this area, you know, we're... And they're probably a bargain. They are. They're yeah. under 10. Yeah, like 10 exactly. to 12. Yeah, exactly. Like somewhere. Uh, but they're full electric. And so if your kid forgets to, you know, oh, I just ran over to my Who friend's house. Who didn't plug in the car? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you're, then you're Ubering to work with someone who did plug in the car. Yeah. Anyway, I've... I've I've yelled that, and I don't think I'm the first dad so far, but I'm probably one of the few. That's for sure. Probably not. Yeah. Do we want to go into Rift Zone, Daryl? I, I mean, I, this show is already probably pretty lengthy. We want to go right to Cars of the Week? Or yeah, whatever. that's fine. We can skip that. I'm going to edit most of this stuff out anyway. So what? Fine. What? You're going to edit my friend Gabe? No. Oh. I'm going to edit everybody but Gabe. How? <laughs> so going through what the hell I was talking about in the first half of the show. All right. So let's move on to the Cars of the Week segment. This is where we break out... Our virtual wallets. Uh, when I'm on Bring a Trailer and I got all kinds of cyber money just burning a hole in my pocket, I know my wife has allowed me to, to maybe spend possibly you know, a few dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I break out the cyber wallet, and this week I found the 1992 LS400. Now, I don't think it helped at all that Donut Media came out with a video this week on the LS400. Did you guys see that? No. No. Did you watch Donut Media at all? I have. Like I, twice. I like them. Anyway, yeah. so it was a, a big thing about the LS400 and uh, how they rolled out this new power plant, the V8, which that V8 actually rolled into the Tundras, and it's actually become the future engine for Toyota in a lot of ways. But um, when the LS400 came out in 1992, there was not even a Lexus dealership. You know, Lexus was basically a creation that was sitting in Toyota lots. It was a car that nobody really knew what it was, but it was excellence is all you knew when you saw the commercials. This was the ball-bearing car mm. where they'd roll the car around you know, on, on the 360 gimbal, and they have a ball-bearing rolling around. These cars were made to last. And uh, on Bring a Trailer right now, this 1992, it's only bringing like $8,000 the last time I checked. The funny thing about this car to me, I think they're smaller now in retrospect and the wheels, certainly any of those those luxury cars from the 90s, those wheels, those alloys, as much as they were cool back then, 
God, they look big and bulky. Now they got to weigh like three tons. Yeah, but the Lexus I think holds up better. I think than the Mercedes and the S classes, and I think the BMW seven classes. I think these cars are still drivable. I, I the technology actually when you look at the window switches and you look at all the little knobs, they had a really basic tan on everything, which looks a little staid, but everything works. You get in these cars, and for the most part, you're not going to find something broken in them. Uh, the catalytic converter was kind of a weak point on these V8s, but uh, if you can get past that, you got a pretty solid car here. So if I if I were to buy a car this week, Daryl, and I had nobody holding me back, and I was in my fleet of 20 other cars from our last 20 shows, this one would definitely be added to the stable. Be, be added to the list? Yeah. I do think those have aged nicely. Um, I remember when those came out as a kid, I thought they were weird. Uh, growing up, just being used to Cadillacs or Mercedes or you know big, big, big it cars. It certainly was anti-U.S. luxury car. Yes, and I remember seeing it. It was in the church parking lot. I was probably in junior high, and I remember seeing one. It was a black one with a gray bottom yeah. skin, you yeah. know. And I remember seeing it and being like, this is totally different. And then I saw an Infiniti Q45 like a week later, and I'm like, this is even weirder. <laughs> but the Lexus has aged well. The er, first-generation Qs. Not so much. I don't even know where they're at. I haven't seen one of those in forever. They're around, but like California, and I, I don't know if they rusted or something. Mechanically, they were pretty decent cars, too. That's yeah. back when Nissan was actually building some decent stuff. But uh, definitely the Lexus, the the LS, nice choice. You, the, the LSs, those LS400s, you still see them. Even here, here in central Illinois, I think one of my technicians, one of my oil change guys, bought one of these for a couple thousand dollars a couple of years ago. Yeah. He uh, was going to cut out the fenders and he was going to lower it and the, the rust underneath the fender he got like one cut into it and the rust just started blowing out all over the place and he, he quit the project and traded it to a guy up here in 98 that guy sat in the car for like two years um so. that's kind of sad i i, I have seen... oh no i think that's a winner you know when a car sits on a lot for two years after you traded it you probably won that transaction you probably right? you did okay yeah yeah i guess well, I, uh, I'm going to roll the clock back a little bit here. I picked for this week uh, an oldie. Shocker. Uh, yeah. yeah. I need to pick some newer stuff. Uh, 49 Packard Standard 8 Club sedan up for sale in the uh, the Volo Auto Museum up in Volo, Illinois, up in uh, McHenry County or Lake County, wherever the heck. They sell cars at museums? They do. And, and Volo is a, one of those wonderful places uh, where they call themselves a museum so they can sell cars on Sunday. <laughs> well, not really sell cars. You can come see the cars, right? And they charge you a little admission, so they're making money on any head that comes what through a scam. there. But then it's like, hey, if you like what you see, uh, everything's for sale. And then you're back there like a week later. Gabe, does this sound like a scam to you? No, I love it. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> so, well, what do you do on Sunday? Sunday, there's not much to do. It's, it's a blue law, Gabe. God, we don't want to sell cars on Sundays. What, what do they say about rules, Eric? There's always an exception. No, there's a reason we made the rules. That's right. <laughs> and an exception. Well, uh, Illinois, was it an Illinois law you can't sell or federal? It's uh, Illinois, because other states like Florida, you can sell. You can walk into a Toyota dealer on a Sunday yep. and be like, hey, yep. Yep. buy a car. Why do they do it? Is it to let consumers have a little breathing room? No, or? it's literally just an old uh, automobile dealer association. Each state is a little bit different, and so in Illinois, they've kept it at this point. So the legislature hasn't passed the law to allow selling on Sunday, thank God, because we can at least get one day off a week. Well, you know, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, realtors should have one day off a week, but you know, it's seven days a week for realtors. So. Yeah. Or, you know. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your car. Talk, restaurant about, this, talk about this Packard, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nice-looking car. These are the big kind of uh, almost like a giant Saab or a Beetle or something. they got the, the big kind of round jelly bean look to them. Beautiful wraparound front grille. And a lot of the uh, nicely restored ones have the giant swan uh, hood ornament, 
which is just gorgeous, like a work of art. This one doesn't. This is a club sedan. It's kind of a two-door, kind of a base model. Um, if you look at some of the photos on the Volo Gallery, it's probably had some bodywork done in the lower parts, which isn't great. Uh, some waves in the panels, but nice kind of a 40s beige, and uh, they were just a gorgeous car. I'd love to have this thing. Fourteen nine ninety eight is what they're asking, and uh, I don't know what the production numbers are, but... 49 was kind of like 4950 was the last of like a truly really nicely built Packard. After that they started having financial trouble. A lot of the tech was outdated. They still were running like a flathead inline 8 as opposed to like overhead valve motors. They started getting bigger, slower, and they frankly started running out of money. So they sold in 57 to Studebaker and then Studebaker shut them down after 58 because they didn't have any money yeah, either. So they were doomed. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is kind of like your last last of the Mohicans, so to speak. So uh, 14998 not too bad for a nice old driver. The, the chrome is beautiful in this thing. There's like uh, like three or four tiers of chrome bumper on the front of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it almost looks like it's a, a rolling soda fountain with the, you know just yeah. a classic architecture all over the thing. They always remind me, too, like when you see the old Disney cartoon, any kind of like 40s, 50s yeah, cartoons yeah. where it's like busy uh, cars in yeah. the street. That's yeah. what they all Goofy would like. be driving this thing on family vacation, right? Right. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it, it is funny. It's just it's got the two round headlights on there, and just it, but all that chrome on the front. You would think you'd have a bigger grill on massive engine like that. Yeah, the grills were pretty tiny. I don't know if they had overheating problems or anything. I I would imagine they probably did. <laughs> <It's> just because, <laughs> like you said, you got this giant eight cylinder motor, and then like this the grill with the radiators, like yeah. you know six. It's inches. got like three massive fans, all sequential, like sucking air through there. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> it probably overheats. But it's pretty. Looks pretty on a flatbed. There's bed. not even any fins or gills on this thing. I mean, it, it's it's holding the heat in there pretty strong. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, Gabe, what do you got here? You got uh, something that's kind of a familiar face, right? Yeah, there's a big shocker, Yeah, Yeah, I, I think Daryl spoiled it a little earlier. He said, why, why fix up something that you've got when you could just go out and buy a nice another one of those, right? Um, Darn but, you, eBay! Right? But in all honesty, uh, I took this challenge very seriously, and I looked at Bring a Trailer today because I've been a staple on there and bid on a few things I probably shouldn't have in the past. Been there. Um, and I was going to pick a, a J20 dump truck that was up in Wisconsin, but I thought, no. Oh, <laughs> Really? I was, because I love the J20. I like the old Jeep trucks. Okay. Um, yeah. But the paint job was horrible, and Eric had to bring a trailer truck or vehicle, and I, oh, I didn't don't, want to just jump on Peer pressure, that. gotcha. So, okay, uh, right, right. I looked on eBay, and I said, I'll just look at the, the close cars on eBay, and I just started scrolling page after page after page, and I literally didn't stop <laughs> and tough, I, tough until I saw yeah, <laughs> the exact car that I already have, but fully restored, ready to roll. You know, they claim five miles on the odometer since the restoration. It's the same forest green as the first FJ40 I bought. Uh, it's only over in Iowa, and they're only asking $30,000 for it. Uh, it looks pretty true to original. It's got uh, – they removed the distributor. I and, saw that, yeah. and, and put in the electronic ignition, and there's some funky stuff going on in the dash. But other than that, looked really clean, looked like a nice build, uh, looked like a pretty good deal. It's the 30K kind of uh, price-wise. What do these things go for? To me, that like seems that? very reasonable. It, it if it's really a good restoration, if you get into the paint and the bodywork's been done well, mm-hmm. I think that is very reasonable, Eric. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these that you see in Meekum or Barrett Jackson nowadays, they're not U.S. spec FJ40s. They're South American. Uh, they bring them up. They, oh. they they flip them down there. They bring them up here and they sell them at auction. And if you know what you're talking about with these, you go, "What are they doing?" You know, and it, it's a lot of lipstick on a pig stuff. Okay. Um, so to get a good U.S. FJ40 that's been yeah. you know reasonably restored, I think thirty thousand is very reasonable. Did we see Eric? You and I see that uh, one of those Land Rovers that was like Argentinian or oh yeah, when we were at Cars thing? and Coffee uh, 
Uh, the one you didn't sleep through. No, no, that was back in the mall. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, it was. It actually was. It was at Northwoods. Yeah, and that guy was from England, and uh, he got it from Spain. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, yeah. there's no rust on here. But cool. it was funny because I think the guy who was there with the FJ40, I think his was from Spain as well. Because I think you asked me, like, is that a big thing? I'm like, no, I've never seen one from Spain in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- so Layman's had one of these, uh, and I don't know what year theirs was. It's uh, like a tan-colored one. And they had it on the showroom floor up at the, the Dodge store in Peoria, at the Ram City, whatever the heck they call that mm-hmm. thing. They were asking fifty grand for that thing. Yeah. And it was a very nice truck, and the restoration was spot on. But uh, that, that's why I see this thirty grand total. And I think this is one of those situations where you're looking in Iowa. Just again, we're talking about bring a trailer. You got to go to Seattle. You got to go to Florida. You got to right. go wherever to get this. Right. This guy's in Iowa, and he's got to be a realist. Nobody wants to go to Iowa to buy a frigging car. Even if you got transport and everything like that. You still got to fly there and look at it. Um, I think when you do some aftermarket stuff, the electronic ignition, okay, that changes a little something here. I don't know what's going on with the bezel because I didn't see what's going on. But um, thirty grand to me, if this thing's a daily driver, and especially with the electronic ignition. Doesn't sound half bad. What color is that, by the way? Because I'm in printed in black and white. It's forest green, which is the same as my first is. Okay, so the, and that's not a color that's uh, an original color either. So that probably draws down the value. No, yeah, it's original. Is it really? Yeah. I've never seen one forest green. No, seems like they're like probably not that many to choose from. But <laughs> you can't get too picky at that <laughs> right. point. It's like my dad gets that way too. Like he '56 Chevy. He's like, I like Sierra gold and Adobe beige. That's it. I'm like, there's like a bazillion colors out there. You could look- <laughs> <laughs> no, those are the colors I want. So a nice one to come up for sale and be like, yeah, it's the wrong color. I'm like, ah. But with these guys, um, what was the last year for the, the original kind of FJ40 style? 81, 82? I think it was 83 or 4. It was right. It was in I mean, the early 80s. By the time sure. you got to okay. 83, it probably was like 100 or 200 important in the United States. It was very, very thin. Because yeah. I know we're here in the Midwest, but I don't remember seeing probably more than two or three growing up yeah i've definitely I mean, the only ones i've now. ever seen here original in the midwest were like literally farm trucks and hunting vehicles i mean you yeah. don't really see them as as something that somebody had in their garage as a, a daily driver it was it was a utilitarian vehicle at best i think we had a, a, a marathon station in in my town and there was one sitting in the back with a plow on it it, yeah. it came out winter time to plow yeah. the thing so uh, but but these guys definitely, I mean, they seem like they're always going to be hot. They seem like they hold their value pretty well, and there's always going to be. I think they're, they're not making any more, you know. And the guys who are making more of them are charging 200 grand, like we talked about in the last episode. So, yeah. um, like the icon stuff. Yeah, the icon stuff. So I, I think there's going to be there's going to be an ambient value to these cars going forward. This is never ever ever going to be a fifteen thousand dollar car fully restored. You know, this is going to be a twenty to 25 30 it's gonna be somewhere in that ballpark even if the market crashes tomorrow these things are still going for 20 25 grand i think yeah they definitely peaked a year or two ago they um, got really their, stupid yeah, yeah, yeah in their popularity but again with when they peaked that's what brought all the imports in and so that's diluting the market a little so to the extent that people don't value the u.s ones the same as they value the imported ones see and I, it's funny market. you say that because i didn't even really think twice i know some guys who are important ones from venezuela and stuff like that the south american ones are coming they're in pretty decent shape. They've been driving them, and they maintain them because they've been work vehicles. I didn't realize how much that was affecting the U.S. market. used to see the same thing I don't know, almost 20 years ago. Whenever they came back out with the, the, the Beetle, I think it was 99 oh, yeah. or something like that. Because uh, at the time, my, my youngest brother had a, a 77 Type 2 bus, 
so we went to Volkswagen shows and things like that. And the Beatles were just going crazy, you know, for, freshly restored. They were going for you know twenty, thirty grand, and then all of a sudden, same thing. The Mexican Beatles, the because they think they just stopped making those maybe what five, ten years yeah. ago. I would have bought a Mexican. To me, what's the difference? You know, it's well, the same friggin' car, but I, the purest, yeah. I'm sure. I think there's a purist, and then, of course, I've never actually seen one, but I think it's a bigger deal in, like, California and Texas and the border states. Um, they said the metals, like, the metals thinner. Uh, there were some okay, little right, things, right. like, here and there, like, safety-wise that, like, you know. Were, but here's the thing. They use those down there. There's millions of people that rode in them. There, there were taxis. There were police cars. Yeah. I'm sure. If you're looking for a weekend fun cruiser, eh, maybe you'd still buy one. I don't know. But uh, yeah, there's some nice good, stuff. Good to selection, Gabe. I'll give you know. I kind of was expecting something a little, you know. But I, I apparently we've looked into your soul and we see that Toyota's beating deep in there. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's very true. Actually, it <laughs> it hurt me to buy the GMC Sierra because I had an all Toyota household. Yeah, and I finally broke it. Well, and and so the story on that was you had a friend who owned that vehicle who passed, and and you were helping out a family, right? Well, it wasn't so much as helping out the family as keeping the memory alive. Yeah, no, and I think I can appreciate that. So, yeah, we uh, that's the only toy- non-Toyota vehicle I'll ever not hold against you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And everybody needs a truck, right? I know you were talking about your J20 you were looking he at. Yeah, Tacoma, but anyway. Yeah, yeah I've done too much work in that truck already. I've moved. My parents have moved. Couches have been bought from Costco. And, Daryl, I don't want to catch you right. bad-mouthing Costco again on the show because of the thousands and thousands of dollars I spend there every by, year. By the way, we are a Costco dealership here at Fort's Toyota, and you can save 15% on your service bill by saying you're a Costco member and bringing in a Costco card. 15% parts and labor. That Which I hate. do frequently. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, Fort's Toyota, toyota-beacon.com. I don't plug them enough. There you go. <laughs> and if you want to visit our uh, our lovely guest here, uh, Mr. Gabe Casey, you can visit him and his law office on the web at clopeoria.com. I want to say thank you both to uh, to Gabe Casey and to Fort's for being sponsors of the show and believing in uh, whatever gibberish we throw yeah. out there. Uh, we do appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, Gabe, for coming up. Thank you. All right. So I think uh, we got some other stuff. Uh, we're going to bring up in the future. Got some other guests coming up. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but in the meantime, we thank you for joining us tonight. My name's Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. Gabe Casey. We'll see you next time. <laughs>